Hey everyone, welcome to the OFT Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Bowles, Site Manager, Emperor, Supreme Warlord, and Defender of the Faith over at OneFootDown.com on the SB Nation Network. And the trio's back together again tonight. Joining me once again is my Senior Editor, Jude Seymour, and the Chief Inspector, Brenda McAlinden. Fellas, all I want from you tonight is to just sit there and shut up and say yes. You I, That's exactly what I was going to say. Anytime I say something, can, can you be my sycophants? Yes. Well, yes. <laughs> Jude, you're hired. You're hired. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I mean, Josh, I was going to say that. I, I was going to say that. I just feel but. that there aren't enough Notre Dame podcasts out there where, where everyone just is like, listen, host person, everything you've said is correct. And I will only agree with you. There just aren't enough out there. We definitely do a We're lot of agreeing with the host on this podcast. I think that's what all the reviews say. So, <laughs> the I mean, only I reason I'm here, the only reason I'm here tonight, is because the host uh, lit out a signal beacon that let me know that it was time to podcast. I saw it the whole way from uh, from here, from my house. Uh, this giant blazing beacon, like like the torches <laughs> in Lord of the Rings. Uh, stop making fun of the big candle. The big candle is 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 beautiful. It's beautiful. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not. I went. I, I went online. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you can check the Twitter feed. I got this giant ass candle. But as so I went to go find a bigger one right after you said something, just to like buy it and bring it here, and just to prove a point yeah. that I'm gonna give me an even bigger candle. Uh, but there aren't too many <laughs> that you can find <laughs> that are bigger. So, Not unless it's a citronella um, candle for, you know, a barn. <laughs> citronella candle for a camp. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I mean, I got a basement. Otherwise, you know, maybe I should just, you know, dig up the ground and just put have a bonfire. Like, like full on fucking Viking uh, hall style. You know what I mean? Which isn't I, a bad I, idea, right? My one question is, why don't they just make the candle out of Kyle Hamilton? Because uh, that's too sweet of a smell. <laughs> you, you can't have that much sweetness, uh, you know, too long. It, it needs a little more musk. I, I'm not sure if Kyle Hamilton is all musky. That and there'd only be one wick. Oh, wait. No, no, no. That's only one pick. <laughs> oh, oh. Are we getting into our pre- did, Brenda? Did you write down our prop bets from earlier this season? Because I, I definitely want to. Uh, I got some receipts to cash here. I, I, I definitely have the results of all of those. If you want to go over the, yeah, I do. You know what? Let's, let's yeah, let's let's cash the receipts, and then I got some reviews to read. We'll get into that, but let's cash the receipts first, and then uh, yeah, because I hell I almost forgot about all that. Let's. What the, how wrong were we? Like totally wrong? <laughs> <laughs> we're the only podcast that actually goes back and checks to see how wrong we oh, very well are. I, I know I was right about one of them. I know oh, yeah. I was dead right. Uh, no, no, no. You absolutely were right about one of them. Um, no, you, you guys want to – I, I kind of yeah, did some of yeah. the the receipt caching. Um, so let me grab it right here. Uh, Is Josh going to do reviews first, though, before we get in? No, no, no. We get... No, we're going we're, we're to cash receipts first. Then okay. We'll get the All, right. All right. Victory lap time. Okay. So uh, 
we'll just we'll run through it real quick. Who leads Notre Dame in receiving yards? Josh said Javon. Jude said Kevin Austin. And I said Bra- <laughs> Braden Lindsay. Whoa. It wasn't even that Whoa. I was right. I was right by a mile. It was. I mean, can I go like double or games. nothing and, and pick Kevin Austin for next year? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pick transfer to be named later. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Uh, who leads Notre Dame in rushing yards? Josh said Kyron. Jude said Jafar. And I said uh, Tyree. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, man. I'm, I'm 2 0. Bring it. Um, Jafar? I said Jafar. I'm an idiot. <laughs> you said Jafar. Uh, he, he got, what, seven touches in the pit game. So you got that forever. Um, <laughs> who, who scores the first touchdown of the season? Josh said Trumbull. Jude said Book. I said Trumbull. It was Kyron. Um, who leads the team in touchdowns? Josh said Jafar. <laughs> Jude, oh, said, Jude said, uh, um, Kevin Austin. I said, oh, Braden Lindsay. it was Kyron. Uh, who leads the team <laughs> yeah. in tackles? Josh said, um, white Jude said JOK. I said, white. It was JOK. At least I picked who the buckets th- award winner. Thank God. Oh my God. The, wow. The, <laughs> Uh, well, you, you got that. You nailed that one. Um, yeah. who leads the team in sacks? Josh 50. said, uh, Josh said, Ovi. Oh my God. Said Ade. We got Ade. Ade was the, uh, the leader there. I just, I, uh, I sincerely thought Ovi was going to make a leap as a situational, uh, edge rusher and that he transferred. <laughs> yeah. That's the kind of season I was. He transferred. Um, so here's the, here's the one point of contention. It was who would have more interceptions, Kyle Hamilton or the field, uh, Notre Dame had seven picks. One of them went to Kyle Hamilton. Um, so what did, Josh what did and I, I say, Kyle John? and Jude was mocked what I say? for saying idiot, the field. idiot bet, idiot bet that you guys pick Kyle. And, you know, it was idiot of me to pick Kevin Austin for so I mean, many categories. Well, I mean, listen, if the fucking, if the other teams, if they weren't cheating, we would have got this by a mile. Right, Brendan? We got, yeah, we well, and cheated the whole time. Plus, Kyle should have had two picks against Phil, right? He dropped one and one got called back. <laughs> there was, there was some extenuating circumstances here. Some who cheating. knows how many Sam Howell would have, who knows how many Sam Howell would have thrown him in the second half of that <laughs> UNC game. Hell, if the, um, uh, the Wake Forest game got played, you know, you could have had four or five then, right? Uh, right? They they <laughs> sling it. Yeah. The cloth yeah, yeah. I mean, what? Uh, or how many interceptions hear, that hear me out? Interceptions that uh, like, did Harry have against Miami? Wasn't it like uh, three? Did he have he had three picks against Miami in the Sun Bowl? Yeah, in the Sun Bowl. Yeah. Yep. Smith. Yeah. I believe yeah. three is the answer. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, so three plus the two we were talking about. Plus throw in an extra one or two because they were cheating and we win. Fucking easy. Yeah, we win. No, then it would no, then it would be a push. It would be seven all, right? Well, he has then one. Then three, add two. three, that's four. Three, plus two, two one. Plus plus another dirty one because it's cheating. That's like that's seven. That just yeah, and I got seven. seven six. So that's called a push, dude. No, the field. No, is you have six. six. Yeah, you have oh, six. Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought you said seven, but you included the one that Kyle. Seven had, right? total. Yeah. Okay. My Seven bad. total interceptions. Cal had one. Um, 
who does Notre Dame score the most points again? Or no, 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 wait, wait, wait. Who takes the most snaps at Buck? I didn't. I don't. I'm not sure. I have the answer for this. Uh, but there was two people who were very wrong. Josh said Jordan um, <laughs> Jen Marquise. I said Jordan Jen Marquise. And Jude said Shane Simon. Oh man, I might have just. I might have won just. It wasn't Shane Simon. Jordan Jen Marquise. It was no. It was not. Yeah, it was not Shane Simon. Um, no, it probably was not Shane Simon. But it sure as hell wasn't Notre George Dame, No, it sure wasn't. He didn't. <laughs> uh, who did Notre Dame score the most points against? Josh said North Carolina. Ooh. Jude said. Uh, no, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. Sorry, my bad. That's uh, who scores the most points against Notre Dame. So we'll get oh. to him being very wrong there. Um, Josh said U.S. Uh, uh, Southern Florida. Jude said Cuse. And I said Georgia Tech. It was South Florida. Next question: Who scores the most? No, about, no, about half on so far. About half of these. Uh, who does Notre Dame score the most points against? Or who scores the most points against Notre Dame? You said North Carolina. Jude said Clemson. I said Louisville. Uh, Josh and I were very wrong. Um, mm. As Louisville scored seven, and, uh, <laughs> Clemson scored forty <laughs> plus whatever they threw. Clemson scored more game. points against us than than Alabama. And yeah. And yeah. really, and really, a whole lot more if you want to talk about the double up <laughs> cumulative total. Um, which is more Kyle Hamilton interceptions or Braden Lindsay touchdowns? We all said Lindsay. It was a push. <laughs> they both had one. Oh, that's right. L- Lindsay got the one touchdown against BC, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, which is more Chris Tyree, 20 yard runs or Jeremiah Wusu Kormoa sacks. Uh, Josh said Tyree, Jude and I said JOK. Tyree had six 20 plus yard runs. More wow. Than sacks. Yeah. Um, so you went against your boy Tyree on that one, huh? Wow. I did go against, uh, I thought Jeremy, I thought, uh, thought he'd had more sacks. Um, Games the Irish score 40 plus, uh, which is more games the Irish score 40 plus or games the Irish give up 20 plus. Uh, it was a push. Josh and I said 40 plus. Jude said 20. Uh, it was the same number. Um, which is more Brendan Clark pass attempts or receptions by freshmen. I sort of said freshman <laughs> receivers. Uh, but you but you did say, say freshman, though. I just so, said freshman, which includes did, Tyree and Does um, it like include Mayer too? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Oh yeah. I don't yeah. I don't think I specified. All so right. Josh and Jude said freshman. I said Clark. Uh Brennan Clark was relegated <laughs> to um being injured. Up list. Yeah. Um, he was relegated to having the best haircut in the team. That's sweet. Yeah, he'll, he'll, no one will ever take his haircut away from him. Um and then here's just some over unders um, points per game sixty uh, thirty six point eight it was over uh, and then it fell under you and Jude both said the over I said the under so um, over under points allowed per game seventeen point nine before that Alabama game it was the it was uh, under uh, but they ended up finishing at nineteen point seven. Um, mm-hmm. And but you know, if they would have, if they would have played Wake Forest, another data point, they could have, it would have been right. We would have gotten it. We would have gotten it. We would have got it. Yeah. 
So uh, Josh and I said under, uh, and Jude said over. No, that one's Jude. Uh, the next one is Ian Book touchdown to interception ratio five to one. So Oops. the over under on uh, on that, and that would be uh, he was fifteen and three. So that's five to one. That's a push. That's exactly that's exactly five to one. Yeah. Holy shit! That's yeah, a, I set that line beautifully. Yeah. Uh, over <laughs> under. Um, you should have said it by at, running backs. Should have said it at four point five or five point five, so we could have gotten an act. We could have gotten an action. Oh yeah, on that. little hook. Uh, over under. Well, I did for the next one, and boy, did we get this one wrong. Uh, over <laughs> under fumbles by running backs at one point five. Uh, no, we all said over, so we all per game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> per game. game. Um, over under team yardage, uh, rushing yards as a team, five point five. Uh, ND ended up at 5.02. So Ooh. that was under. But um, Josh went over, you and I went under, Jude. Hey, there we go. Look at that. Um, and then over under the number of games. I can't wait games. for us. <laughs> <laughs> over under the number of games the Irish trailed at half at 2.5. Um, I believe Notre Dame trailed at half in three games. <clears throat> was it just, it was just a Clem, it was a Clemson and Alabama. Was that the only two? Was there another game that they trailed at the half? I I think that's it. I think it was under. Man, I'm, I'm not too sure. I'm not sure at all. I, I can't recall a situation which we were trailing at the half, but it was freaking out. What about, what about North Carolina right before uh, the half? I, can tell I don't you think that. so. It's tied. Oh, it was well. tied. It was tied. 17, yeah. 17, 17, 17 and a half. Yeah. So nailed that. Um, there's a there's like there was another, it felt like there was another one though. That was, so, did we take unders on that? Uh, yeah, we all took unders. So okay. we all nailed it. All right. Um, I'll just pick out some of the fun ones. Uh, does Phil throw more touchdowns than interceptions against the Irish? We all said no. <laughs> um, which I guess that's a he didn't, right? He was one and one, or was he two? He threw. He had two touchdowns and a, and a pick. And a pick, and he should have had three picks. So two and one. So we were wrong there. Um, does Kyle Hamilton find himself top three in tacklers? Josh and I said yes. Jude said no. Um, oh, man. Kyle Hamilton, of course, led the team in tackles. Um, Greg's going to burn down my house. Oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> you have little faith. We all, we all thought Notre Dame would wear green. Josh thought it would be Cuse. Um, Jude thought it would be Boston College. And I thought it would be Clemson. Yeah. We were all wrong. Yeah, it never happened. Yeah. Uh, biggest trap game. I think I won this one. Um, Josh said Florida State. Jude said Boston College. And I said Wake Forest. Uh, <laughs> I think I think I mean, Louisville is the was, answer, right? I, I think Louisville is the answer. Yeah. What was it? <laughs> um, I mean, or is Florida State the trap before the Louisville game? 
I think I, you're overthinking it. I think it was Louisville. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> was that it? Was that? I mean, the, tra- the real trap was the friends we made along the way, right? <laughs> that was the real friends yeah. we made along the way. Um, I'll give us our. Uh, I'll just. I'll just do the um, Heisman finalists and playoff teams. Josh's Heisman finalists were Chuba, Book, and Trevor. Jude's was Trevor, Jamie Newman, and Chuba. Oh shit. And I had book Chuba and Trevor, which is weird because uh, on tally site it, way back in September I picked Mac Jones to win the Heisman. I, I'm surprised I didn't put him in there, but it wouldn't have helped. Nobody, none of us picked Devonta, so no. And then the playoff teams: Josh had Oklahoma, Notre Dame, Auburn, and Georgia. And just, oh. and just, uh, just real quick on the Heisman, that was about uh, one of the most well-deserved and earned Heisman. Oh God. Yes. Memory. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honest, I mean that, that was, that was such a legit Heisman. Yeah. Sometimes the Heisman trophy kind of feels like they just give it to stats, man. Like the guy who puts up big yeah. stats. Or, right. Like stat man on, on best team, like, but I mean, Devonta Smith, dude, he that was, was the best. Guy. He was the best player. And they didn't down. even vote. They, they voted before the playoff. Right. And he was even more deserving after the performance he had against yeah. Notre Dame in that first half. Um, yeah, two, 215 yards State. in the first half against Ohio State. Yeah, it's incredible. It was unreal. Incredible. Yeah, my absolute hats off to him. That was honestly that is one of the most. It's like it's just one of those guys you, you appreciate watching, and you hope your NFL team drafts him. That's what you hope. You know. Well, he's one. Well, he's one of those guys you look at and you're like, huh. Pretty sure uh, Kevin Stefferson was like this. Um, oh, stop! I mean, everybody, everybody's made the comparison, and it's it's legit. Like what what could have been Sweet KJ? <sighs> I think we were all hurting this week when we saw KJ posing with pictures of Ian Book, and they had worked out together. And just thinking about <sighs> KJ looked good too, what, man. What that 2018 receiving core could have been with Boykin, Claypool, and Stefferson. Everybody's talking about it. I think Irish Illustrated podcast. It's just, yeah. it's sick, dude. It's sick. To think. And I mean, not to go on a rant, but fuck it. Why not? But I mean, that's, that's, that's the thing right now. Right. I've, I've been meaning to write a story about this for the last two weeks. And it, there's a tweet from Barton Simmons. That was perfect. Uh, who is now employed by Clark Lee, by the way, which is amazing. Um, right. Yeah, yeah, and working yeah, that was working a, under Barton is Nick Valdeseri, Notre Dame grad. Yeah, it's a, it's incredible. But but uh, Barton tweeted out, uh, "Wide receivers are the new defensive." Uh, so true. Are the new defensive linemen, and it is the, it is so that that was it's, such a good statement because it's so like just think about ten years ago, trying to get the elite defensive linemen were it they were the hottest commodity. In recruiting, and they, they still are very important, but it's not like the top dog right now. It is how many blue chip wide receivers can you stack in a class? That's what's going on right now. That's what you're seeing with Ohio State, with Clemson, with Alabama. I that's what's happening. That's what's going to get you there. And to and I got to tell you, for Notre Dame, we should actually be more encouraged uh, because it Not is bad. easier for Notre Dame to get to get blue chip wide receivers than to get blue chip defensive linemen. Like that, well, that's just more, just there's more back. of those out there than there are defensive right. linemen. Well, there are go more back and look at Notre Dame's re- recruiting over the years. We got great. We've had great wide receivers. Yeah. 
You know, but well, it's, the, it, the it, problem is, is you need, it's always a matter of multiple. how many can you get in one class? It, multiple, you need multiple. Like in a row. Right. You need like two or three in a class, every, like three seasons in a row. Uh, it, if you just go back and look at the recruiting uh, rankings or the commitment classes Notre Dame's had, they actually haven't done too bad. But it's just – it's field. It says that. But I'm like that too. Like Jude was about to say that, 2018. Claypool – uh, Stefferson. What else did we have in there? Boykin. Boykin. It's just uh, come uh, Yeah, it's sick. It's sick. It would have been nice. So, and that's what you need. I mean, you look at every national championship team in the playoff era, um, even going back to 2014 Ohio State, Devin Smith and Michael Thomas. That's their that that was their one two that their one two combo. Um, you know, you look at Alabama. Um, you know, Calvin Ridley uh, just. Right on down the line, all of the teams in the playoff era had these dominant wide receivers and multiple dominant wide receivers. So, eh, yeah, you're, those you're are the right. guys that, we can, you can get them. We are in the thick of it every season with a bunch of these guys. Uh, just they need. Look, I don't. I just. I just don't think Delvon Alexander is the answer. I don't <laughs> anymore. <Nope. laughs> There's just there's he's something. getting them here. He's just not getting them on the field. Like I don't think that there's they're a problem. Well, the maybe there is. Developed. But there's because some recruits don't too, know his right? name. But I mean, we talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> my God. But you know, besides Colsey not knowing his name when he was while well, he was first committed, uh, you know, you go back just uh, the cycle before with like Jalen uh, was it Jalen McMillan? So, yeah, J- the kid that went to Washington. Yeah. Yeah, a couple wide receivers in that class. It's like. So they're right there. It's just a matter of, I I, look, all I'm saying is I'm more encouraged than ever. Honestly, if that's the way this is going to go, it's just funny. Notre Dame was air Kelly. Right. And then all of a sudden we found our will to run the ball again. And like the the sport switches, right. When it switches out, it's just like, so I, I have quite enjoyed kind of the snark on, on Twitter from, People like where, where's all the RTD beers now? Blah blah. <laughs> They're not wrong, <laughs> you know. Uh, but honestly, it was always more of a not how many yards, but just being able to do it when you when you want to. It's like Alabama; yeah. they aired it out this season, right? But when they wanted to run the fucking football, Najee Harris uh, did a fine that. job. Yeah. So there's no fiction the about running the football in in that sense. The, uh, the, the thing is, I share your uh, doubts about Del Alexander being able to get us to where we need to be. But I also think that he next year is the prove it year for him. Whereas I think this year could have been the prove it year if he didn't get the pass for Lindsay and, and Austin. And look at our, you know, look at our preseason predictions. I mean, we were our prop bets were centered around Brayden Lindsay um, you know, I picked Kevin Austin in a million different categories. Um, I think that it was pretty normal to think when we made those predictions, whether it be late August or early September, um, that those two guys were going to be a huge part of what Notre Dame accomplished on offense in 2020. And they weren't. And I don't know that that, you know, Lindsay's injury is directly attributable to anything Dell Alexander did or didn't do. Right. And I don't think Austin breaking his foot and a, and a freak thing and then, you know, re-injuring it or whatever happened with him was Alexander's fault either. So 
I think that with those guys back, you know, we have to see something because it, we can't keep whiffing on guys. We can't keep having guys that we recruit and they either don't see the field because they've got traits issues or whatever, but, or they do see the field and they don't produce. And we are always talking about, we're talking about them in Stefferson esque terms, right? What could have been. Um, oh, yeah. So that I just. So let me ask I, you, I mean, let me ask you guys this. Let me ask you guys this. Delvon Alexander. I've got three names. Tell me if he is like any of these three guys Dabo Sweeney, Urban Meyer, Ryan Day. Does Delvon have anything in common with those three guys? No, those are all former wide receiver coaches. Yes. Yeah. So those are all former wide receiver so, coaches. And who so, is Ohio State's? Who's one of so Ohio go, State's? Go get you the recruiters. next great. Go get you the next great head coach in college football and hire a new wide receiver coach. This is my point here. I think Sean McVay was a wide receiver coach too. The coach of uh, the. I might be wrong. Of the Rams. I mean, that, that might. That feels I don't know right. My wide receiver coaches become like like there's so many in the in the kind of like the elite or top tier coaches that were former wide receiver coaches. That just, I don't know if that's an anomaly or, or what, but uh, it sticks out. I mean, day wasn't all a day only coached. I mean, he coached wide receivers at BC from 07 to 11. Um, Isn't Brian uh, Hartline the best recruiter on Ohio state staff? He's a wide receivers coach, right? Like doesn't Brian Hartline just absolutely crush it on the trail? Is urban taking him to Jacksonville? I don't know. No, he said he's not taking. He said he's not taking any uh, said, current yeah. Ohio State players, coaches. Because he still, Urban still wants his God status in the state in Ohio. Yes. Yeah. If he plucks from the staff, your God status uh, gets diminished. He's, he, I mean, he's still God in Columbus. So. I mean, could you, you imagine know? if he took Ryan Day? Oh, the gnashing of teeth that would happen. So well, I, I want to ask you, what the hell is the uh, problem with Ryan Day? Like, why the hell would you go to go leave? As a head yeah. coach, you'll have to go and assist right. in the NFL. What the, what the hell are you smoking, son? It ain't legal in this state. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you about something that was going around on Facebook uh, where somebody was saying – it was a picture of Mac Jones, Tua, Tagalavoa, and uh, Jalen Hurts. And the person was like – The Vons you know, background, by the way. Oh, I didn't, I didn't even notice. And basically the person's Devon, point – the, the person's too. point was – Stick it out where you committed to. You never know if you're standing if you're standing behind the fifth overall pick and the forty second overall pick in the NFL draft. And I just I think this is like this is as as false as JJ Watt was a three star, which is two star. Like, yeah, or or you know like Drew Bees is too short to play quarterback. Like, look, there's always going to be exceptions. But I think a lot of times when quarterbacks transfer, it's because they feel like they've lost confidence in the program being able to develop them in the way that they think is necessary for them to earn the starting job. You know, it's not just it's it's about wanting to play. Sometimes it's about the schedule getting me- messed up. And I'm going to specifically mention Phil Dracovic because I think when Phil Dracovic commits – Ian book doesn't exist in his mind frame. He's not worried about Ian book. He's, he's thinking about Brandon Wimbush and Brandon Wimbush could have been there, um, for 2018. Right. And so Phil, you know, Phil thinks 2000, you know, uh, or 2019, I'm sorry. So Phil thinks maybe 2020 is this year, you know what I mean? Worst case scenario. Um, 
so I don't really think it's about Ian Book. I think it's just it's it's a question of a lot of times guys get it in their heads that you know look I, this staff is just this is not where I can grow and be, and somebody else is giving me the opportunity to do exactly what I want to do, and so I'm going to go there. And Mac, I don't think Mac Jones ever got to that point because Mac Jones was like, look, I feel like I'm making appropriate progress, and sometimes that happens to guys, right? They feel like they're just they're making the, I mean, the just, appropriate. Like Mark Sanchez in USC, you know what I mean? Like standing behind Matt Liner, right? I mean, Mac, Mac Jones is a, is a extreme outlier. He's just, he's an extreme outlier anymore. I mean, I, honest. I mean, that's no, that's not. No. You're right. That's not that's not the case. And it's and it always and for for really, it's been that way for a long time now. I mean, it's just it's not that isn't a normal thing that happens. Here's my question uh, so, to you about Mac Jones, though, is I don't think that you put Mac Jones in the same sentence as a Phil Jerkovic because Mac Jones was a three star, 399th ranked recruit. He was like an afterthought taken when Alabama was starting to recruit the position. Seriously. He was Ian Book. And, and, he was Ian Book. And, and that's why I think I think that context matters, too. Right. Which is when you come in with the lauds of, of being a five star or a four star or whatever, there's an expectation that you have personally that you can take your game to the next level. And sometimes as well, we yeah, think about what's with Brandon Wimbush, it, it, just it just doesn't yeah. translate. Right. And so right. there comes a time where people have to move on. Whereas Mac Jones was like, I'm just, I'm learning from two brilliant guys. I'm playing above my station. And, and, you know, I think, I think it made sense for him to stay, but I don't think it makes sense to say to people, if you stay, you'll have a Mac Jones esque experience. I just, I really no. don't, I don't believe, I don't believe that's true. Um, and I, I think just Jones can't wait until, if I just Jones can't wait until 2024 leaves, when we're talking about Ron Powell's, uh, the third, oh, yeah. uh, in the Heisman race at Purdue or yeah, at Purdue. Oh no, at Notre Dame. I don't cause he stuck it out. He, did, he okay. pulled the Mac Jones, uh, the Kevin McDougal. I mean, I uh, think Ron, I think Ron Ron Senior knew he was going to start once his clavicle stopped breaking, right? Yeah, like, I don't think there was ever. So, a- and I, I I also think there's a different mindset at some of these programs too, like like Alabama and Ohio State. It's like seeing uh, Chris Olave and Tariq Smith both decide to come back. These are like first round fucking guys. <laughs> Uh, they're coming back to do what I to do what I'm not sure. The more uh, curious one, Chris Olave, maybe, but did you see Clemson? Their whole defense is coming back. The whole yeah, thing. It's well, I mean, well, James Skalski, Josh's favorite place. Uh, he, he, well, I mean, right? there is, there's a special place for him with the Toronto Argonauts. I'm sure. But, <laughs> but I mean, it's just special place some of these, home. some of these programs have, have honest to God. And I'm not sure how, because these are the NFL factories. These are the these are the programs that are that are just pushing eight nine guys a draft in, and how they're able to keep some of these guys for their full eligibility is just well, I don't I get, think I don't get how I, they're doing that now. I, I think I have an explanation. It's a whole different. You know, way. somebody in the Irish Illustrated at, you know podcast asked like, why doesn't you know why does Ian Book want to go to the NFL? Like, why doesn't he just want to like try to win a championship with Notre Dame or whatever, right? And I thought the answer was pretty good, which is like if Ian Book looked around and he saw that Devonta Smith was transferring in and his whole offensive line was back and, you know, some of the pieces were in right, place for right. like a, a bona fide championship run. And I think that's what's happening with places like Alabama or Ohio State or Clemson. They're, they're saying to themselves, look, we're super close. 
I've been part of a championship team, but I didn't have a role in that. I want, I want mine, you know? And I think that staying one year is going to get, right, but me it makes a lobby's decision that much. I don't, I don't understand a lobby's decision at all. Unless, yeah, have you seen the wide receiver class though? I think that's a lobby's for thing. The number one, the number one, uh, wide receiver chose overall. You know what I'm saying? Cause I, cause it's not, Olave is not going to get picked before like a Devonte Smith, but yeah. unless Olave is like, I want that number. I want that to be that first wide, wide receiver's name called. That could be something that's, you know, in his mind, because I mean, I mean, he's coming back to a team that, that returns a lot of the guys. Yeah. But Justin Fields ain't going to be there anymore. Sure. So, you know, where, regardless about who's behind you- him, you still have to, you have, a, you have to have a lot of faith in that backup there. If or you, that they're going to the get the wide receiver transfer, position right? though. If you look at the wide receiver position though, Chris Olave is probably slated as like the sixth or seventh wide receiver who's coming off the board this year. Right. Which is sick. There's a lot of good wide receivers. I mean, yeah. I mean, Jamar chase, Devonte Smith, Jalen Waddle, Rondell Moore, Rashad Bateman. And, uh, and I forget which podcast Olave, made it. Olave, made it. Olave gets picked Rondell Moore though. I, I forget which podcast made this Maybe. point, but sometimes you get you um, sometimes it's better to come out in a year where, where your position is heavy because there, there sort of becomes this fear of missing out. And it, especially with quarterbacks, it becomes kind of a run where you're like, OK, four quarterbacks got taken in the first round. Like we got to move up our plans to take, you know, Mac, a Mac Jones or, so, you know, somebody who wasn't going to go um, super high, but is now somebody that you're like, OK, now I'm eyeing him in the. I don't even know what round Mac Jones is projected as, but let's just say now I'm eyeing him in the third round instead of the fifth round. You know what I mean? So, um, whereas a lot of these guys, you're better. I mean, you're just better off because a better team is going to draft you, (laughs) you know, like, like not, not only is your well, the end of the first round, but if you're the beginning of the second round, that's Deshaun Kaiser that worked out for him. Right. Yeah. Like that's the problem is like, I, th- I, you know, I fully believe, and I can't prove it obviously, but I fully believe that Deshaun Kaiser and, and Brady Quinn would have been at least serviceable NFL quarterbacks if they weren't, if they weren't mired in the Cleveland Brown system. Right. And I so think Jimmy Clausen would have been a, in a better situation had, uh, had he not gone to Carolina solely for the fact that then the very next year you get a great new coach Cam. and then they go out and get Cam Newton. Yeah. So you're, you just, you're already fucked. <laughs> so. Like if if you would have got somewhere where you could have had a good, I mean, the I fact mean, that nice Mitch Trubisky is still a starting quarterback in the league is just, I don't understand it. I just, I think of so, like how great would have been for Deshaun Kaiser to get drafted by green Bay and, and, and learn behind Aaron Rodgers. And you know what? Maybe, maybe he doesn't play nearly as much. Uh, he certainly doesn't play nearly as much as rookie year, but that's good, you know? And so maybe, and, yeah, and maybe, I'm, maybe about I'm over anyways. <laughs> no, I understand. But at that point he was, he was like damaged goods. Right. And I think, true, I think the same true. thing with Quinn, which was like, did he win a couple of games for the chiefs? Yeah. Did he play for the Seahawks later? Yeah. I mean, did he like have a cup of coffee with the, I think it was the jets. Like, okay. But still like it, it after Cleveland, it was just like, it was not, it was not a good thing. You're broken. You know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's four franchises that will break you as a quarterback. If you become a jet, a lion, Lions, a Brown Lions, yeah. or a bungle, you're doomed. Yeah. And, and, that, and, and, you know, to be honest with you, I enjoyed watching Sam Darnold play. I, I especially enjoyed watching him <laughs> screw up against Notre Dame in 2017. But, um, I, you know, I thought that if, if I were to put money on, on, you know, that kind of 2000, what was it? 18 draft class or whatever. I mean, Darnold would have been up there for me, but like, 
He didn't. Oh. He's 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 damaged now. I, I just don't think they'll. I don't think no. I don't think anybody can make Stan Darnold good again. So is is uh is Justin Fields fucked then? Is that is that the projection right now? Well, I don't know because the, because you know part of me thought Kyler was totally fucked going to Arizona, and he certainly made made good hay out of that, right? So I think these you know look, it's just you never know, right? And you just a, a good quarterback, just like in in college, a good quarterback can mean such a big difference for your team. And and, and again, I hate to to dwell on this, but Pete Sampson had a, a grab bag mailbag in the Athletic. This I think it was today. And somebody mentioned like, hey, if we got all of the all of the recruits that that we were that were interested in Notre Dame, like not like Devonta Smith, who you 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 extended an offer to, but he never looked at you or whatever. Like if you got all the guys that were leans towards you or or commits like a Pete Warner or something like that, like could your team have won a quarter uh, won a national championship? And Pete's answer, I thought, was right, which was like, oh, OK, yeah, you fundamentally improved your team in a lot of different places, but you still have Ian Book as your quarterback. And, and, and that's no, look, I'm, I'm a huge Ian book fan. It's no disrespect to Ian book. It's just, he's not, it's not championship level, you know? So that was always going to be a problem. There's only, that's why they're championship level. There's only maybe two or three quarterbacks yeah, on the given year that's championship level. Yeah. Of this course. season there were, it, there was a grand you, total of what? Three, three guys that could have been championship level. And they have, we happen to play two of them. Right. Exactly. And one know, of the, one of the championship level guys he got his doors blown off um, by another championship level guy. Yeah. You guys know what else is championship level? Reviews. Podcast. Five star. Five star reviews. Julian Love. <laughs> so let's get into. Let's move on here. Let's get into those reviews. Hey, get on over to Apple Podcasts. Leave that five star rating. I mean, it, it's earned. It's a. It's an earned five star. Uh, also, leave a review. Whatever review that you. You leave there. We will read on the next OFT podcast. And I got three tonight, gentlemen, and they are all five stars. We are racking that shit up like a tattoo parlor in Columbus. So first one here from Callie Domer 22. So it's keeping me sane. Current ND student and lifelong ND fan. I've always looked around for ND podcasts that aren't too full of themselves and also don't make me feel like I have no clue what's going on. This is the perfect combo of serious and laid back. I've enjoyed listening this year and will have to recommend to all the boys back in Dylan Hall this year. Go Irish. Go Big Red. Yeah, Dylan. Go Big Red. Where I spent four years of my undergrad, Dylan Hall. <laughs> 240, living 247, 229, 112, 113. Is this a podcast of Dylan Hall? Is that what we're saying here? I'm just saying if Dylan Hall wants me to come speak, you know, about OFD and whatever, I'm, I'm available. <laughs> <laughs> do it. Go Let's do it. Uh, <laughs> next one here from Rick 6789er. Best <laughs> NT podcast. Did I catch a niner in there? <laughs> you got a niner. Doggy? <laughs> Best ND podcast. It's my favorite ND podcast. It reminds me of sitting around after a game with friends discussing the good and the bad. The best episode was after Clemson number one. They were as sober as I was, and it was very authentic. Uh, as to the F-bombs, who doesn't use colorful language when talking sports, the first time I heard my son swear was after the 07 Navy game when they were screwing up the fake field goal. My 11-year-old blurted out, fucking Charlie Weiss. Q 
keep up, <laughs> keep up the good work and love you. <laughs> Just I mean, that's, a, that's all appropriate. Tangentially related, uh, my wife and I started a couple of nights ago, and I know we're late to this, The History of Swear Words on, ne- on Netflix. I, I definitely recommend that if you are okay with you know hearing a, a fuck, a shit, or whatever, um, they're really going they're into the etymology. They're listening to this podcast, too. They're, they're down with us. Yeah, they're fine. yeah. They're, uh, you know, they go into the etymology of it. They're, they're, they got comedians talking about it. It's, it's, it's very enjoyable. And, of course, Nicolas Cage hosting, so how could you not love that? When my, my, my nephew was my nephew, who's I believe 22 now. Uh, so we were all pretty young people uh, when, when he was first born, but there was like one rule uh, was uh, as far as cussing went. And it was like, it's okay on game day, Saturdays, <laughs> on game day, Saturdays and Sundays. It's uh, cussing's okay for football. And listen, I only, I heard the kid cuss one time as a kid, uh, which was one of the funniest things I ever heard in my life uh, at a fireworks show, show when he told a friend of ours uh, named Curtis when he said, shut the fuck up, Curtis, uh, which was <laughs> when you hear of like a five-year-old say that, you're just dying. Uh, but that was like the only time I ever heard him cuss. Even as an adult now, I'm not sure if, ever, if I've heard him cuss. Uh, but that was, so that was the rule. It was like you could cuss during, you know, during football. That's fine. So – Hearing an 11 year old say that, it's fine. It's fine. I, I, my wife doesn't listen to this show, so I don't have to worry about getting smacked about it not being fine. <laughs> 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 when I die and she starts listening to these just to hear my voice, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll know when the, when the lack of flowers show up at the, uh, at the cemetery. <clears throat> I, All right, and I think that's I think that's pretty consistent. Brendan, your wife doesn't listen, right? Like, I think that's. Oh no, consistent. my wife listens. Oh, does she? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, she listens. Um, she's oh, on oh, yeah. uh, delay though. Uh, so it. Uh, I think the most recent episode that she listened to. Uh, oof. Um, I think she's into the season now. Um, so she's listening to like the backlog episodes because when pandemic hit, she didn't have a commute anymore, so she wasn't listening to podcasts as much. Oh, wow. uh, but she makes does it a she, point to. Does she ever say them. anything like, "Oh wow, that whole thing with Josh and Jew got super awkward"? Uh, no, she she definitely when she heard the ghost doll story, um, I definitely <laughs> that. Um, and I think in about three months, I'll I'll she'll she'll let me know about this one. But yeah, yeah, she listens. My wife listens. That's great. The, ki- the kids will bring it up on the. Uh, I think they'll hear it on like the Amazon Echo or something like that. Uh, cause the iTunes account is, is all tied into that. Cause all of our shows, you know, I, th- I roll through iTunes, you know, as I've edited and all that shit. So they're all on there like as that. That's so funny. it'll come up like, a, like if you're random in a song. Uh, so, uh, every once in a while, I, I know my daughter does, unfortunately, uh, here's the show probably more than, more than she should, but whatever. It's fine. Too fun. It's fine. It's fine. Last one here from Resident Evil, Threeville, Resident Threeville. Just another five-star review. What up, y'all? Okay, let's start with something that a lot of listeners don't understand. And that is, just because you don't agree with everything that is said on this podcast, doesn't mean it is not a five-star podcast. Man, I like the way this guy's selling shit. Can we come to terms with that fact? Don't you, do you think 
I agree with everything that Jude and Brendan say and Josh. <laughs> no, <laughs> but that has nothing to do with this podcast is good or not. And this one is one I listen to religiously. If this podcast isn't in your arsenal, then I think you're not as informed as you could be. Keep up the great work, fellas. Oh, and one more thing. Fuck USC Irish all day from oh, FUSC yeah. 88. There you go. Perfect. That's about as accurate. Well, we've, we've had some very accurate reviews. I, I was just, if our podcast was a book, I would put that on the back cover. Yeah, that that's 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 very accurate. It's very dead on. That's great. And there was yeah. no, there wasn't even any pizza slander either. There was no, you know, we haven't had pizza slander. Man, I slandered a pizza today. So, <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not gonna get into details about the week, but ever since ever since Monday, which was supposed to have been a good day. Because we went, up, went, went, to, uh, went to the Honda dealership picked up my new ride. About an hour after I picked up my new ride, we had some terrible news. Again, I'm not going to get into the details, but it's been a shit week ever since then. Terrible. And so it's been – so would, would you're married and have like three kids, bad weeks, uh, dinner time gets a little dicey. No – no one's really too keen about throwing a throwing a dinner together. So anyway, so tonight was one of those nights, and it wasn't even nighttime. Uh, my wife was supposed to be she's supposed to be at work right now. She she didn't go. Uh, <laughs> her, I think they called her off, or she called. I don't. Either way, she didn't go. So like at three o'clock, she looks at me and she goes, "I want some nachos like right now." Uh, and knowing that there's no way that she's pregnant. I was like, oh, man, this is a serious mental health thing. She needs these fucking nachos to survive the next five hours. Okay, cool. So I'm like, well, the kids aren't probably really down with uh, with eating Mexican tonight. So I said, what should I, you know, what should I make them? She's like, I don't care. Just throw in a pizza. Like, perfect. I just picked up a whole bunch of uh, home run in pizzas just the other day. So threw that bad boy into the oven uh, for the kids for dinner. Takes only about 15 minutes, right? 25 minutes later, I pull this pizza out of the oven. Uh Uh-oh. And that slanderous. (laughs) I just, I abused uh, this gorgeous uh, pepperoni home run in pizza. It was still tasty, uh, but it was was a little crunchy. (laughs) So, so yeah, there's, there's my pizza slander. I fucking, I burned a damn pizza basically tonight. It didn't burn though, because baking stones are good for not burning things, so. Anyways, if you needed some pizza talk, there, there it you is. You always need pizza talk. Yeah, yeah. So, Brendan, <laughs> I, I forgot to ask in, in the going, just circling back here for a second. If you were to tally up and give us a point for each one that we got right, like who had the most predictions right out of that preseason? Uh. Uh, you guys will have to vamp for a second while I uh, take a look at this list and see if I can't uh, get you get it. Well, I can tell it. you, I can tell you this right now. I would, if it's me, I am ordering up a a championship belt, uh, and, <laughs> and I'm going to you. wear that uh, that proudly. I, I believe that that'd be the right move. What color so, will the belt be? Uh, it, copper, mustard. 
It's all gold. I mean, camo. Can't go camo. Of course. Of course. I mean, I am who I am. Uh, there's a lot of camo slander out there right now, thanks to uh, dumb motherfuckers storming our capital. Uh, <laughs> thanks for ruining camo for me, you sons of bitches. Uh, but um, ugh, God, what a what a week! God damn, what a week! Right, so, anyways, so while Brendan's still figuring out the tally, there, I'm gonna explain what we're about to get into for the rest of the podcast. Um, Actually, we got two things, but uh, but this one this one I actually have a time limit uh, on some things, so we, we won't get too carried away. But we're gonna we're gonna review the season, and we're gonna do that by going through each one of Notre Dame's games uh, from start to finish in order, and I'm gonna give it a lot bit of about four minutes uh, for each game. Whatever we want to talk about, uh, Jude will open it up, and Jude will have to contain himself from taking the four minutes himself. Uh, we'll go Jude, Brendan, and then I'll finish up the next thought or the final thought, and then we'll move on uh, to the next game. And th- again, this will be our review of the 2020 COVID season. How's that sound, fellas? Sounds good for me. Good me. You get those stats racked up yet? Uh, not quite. It's, uh, it's looking like you were looking real good. And then all of a sudden, a second, a second. the over under half, I'll tell you what you get, the, you get those stats together. We'll talk about that at the, at the end of the show. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll unveil the, the winner, uh, at the end, at the end of the show. All right. So let's, let's get into the 2020 Notre Dame football season as a review. Um, Hold on. I'm going to have to pull up a clock here. Uh, before we get started, just again, it is, it's a season that should have never existed. College football should have never have happened this year. And there's probably good. It probably would have been better off for the country if it didn't. I think in a, in a lot of ways, in my opinion, uh, which is just my opinion, uh, but it happened. And, uh, and in other ways it was great for the country because it, it gave something for somebody holding on to dear life, uh, to enjoy. Uh, so, um, uh, it, it was what it was. It was certainly a, uh, uh, it was certainly different in a lot of ways, you know, obviously because of COVID. Uh, but I think as the season went on, like it was very noticeable beginning of the season. And then especially, you know, with a, with a canceled game, uh, no less, uh, it was all in your face. I think as the season wore on, Everyone got more and more used to uh, to the COVID protocols, the the one sixteenth filling of a stadium, uh, it just it, things of that nature. Um, you know, just press conferences being state state run media. Uh, for, you know, for the most part, not, you're not getting a whole lot of info out. You, know, you ended up getting used to all of it, for better or for worse. Um, and again. I've said I've said it a few times. I said it on the last podcast. I thought this was a great season. I, I have no, there's no shame uh, in this game for me. I don't. They lost the last two games against Clemson and Alabama. Whatever. Uh, I mean, it, it is what it is. Uh, but it, to, in my mind, a 10 win season going to the playoffs. That's a that's a that's still a, a success. Um, if you're looking at yourself as what one, one of the you're better than 120 or 125 programs in the country. You're doing something right. Notre Dame is doing that. Uh, so let's 
let's get into it. Game one of the 2020 season, Notre Dame welcomed Duke to Notre Dame Stadium for the uh, somehow this game was more important because it was the first time Notre Dame played uh, a game as a conference opponent. It was somehow it it made this game more interesting, even though Notre Dame has played Duke several times <laughs> over the last few years. But it made this game more interesting to everybody involved. Jude, my friend, start us off. So uh, with a new season, you just didn't know, right? You knew that they had had that one whole day of spring practice. Um, you knew that that summer practice had gotten all followed up to. You didn't really know what kind of team you were looking at. You knew you had foundations of, of a good team, um, but you didn't know how they were going to react to, as you, as you alluded to, a mostly empty stadium, what the vibe would be like. Uh, we learned a lot about what the season was going to be like from this first game. And it was also uh, sort of a head fake, too, because this game has Jameer Smith running five times for 15 yards. He would be off the team uh, quitting for mental health uh, about a month later. Uh, had a Jay Bramblett uh, fake punt where he scrambled for 14 yards. <laughs> um, we were, you know, we we saw the emergence of, of Kyron Williams as a, as a um as the, the 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 primary back and also somebody who could carry the, the load um i remember being real nervous about chase bryce because i was impressed with him and his time backing up trevor lawrence his brief time backing up trevor lawrence and clemson that turned out to be not that big of a deal um it was a weird game it was a 27 13 affair and you just sort of like didn't know if you had enough information about how good this team might be Brendan, your your impressions from from the Notre Dame Duke game? Uh, as far as the Duke Notre Dame game goes, um, it was really for me. What does Pete Sampson always say that the first football game of the season really tells the story for how the whole season's going <laughs> to play out? And we kind of we kind of dunked on that narrative a little bit as the season went along. But tell me if you've heard this one. Notre Dame started the game with three straight three and outs to open the season. Um, that's not great. They had four red zone trips, two for touchdowns, one for a field goal. And one of those, you know, the the one they didn't score was an Ian Book pick in an end zone, which wasn't really indicative. But kind of a slow start offensively with trouble in the red zone kind of ended up being the offensive uh, woe was why the team didn't end up averaging, you know, close to 40 points. You know, they were on the other side of uh, the wrong side of 35 after the Alabama game. But yeah, the, the Duke game for me, it was, you know, welcome Kyron Williams, but it did end up sort of serving as, um, you know, that, that benchmark offensively uh, that, that ended up playing out that the team could just kind of stall out and especially in the red zone. Yeah, it was it was a game that was certainly, uh, as you said, weird. Uh, and you know, we talked about you know Kyron Williams. He had 112 yards, two touchdowns on the ground, and he had 93 yards receiving uh, through the air, uh, which which led the team uh, that day. But there's there was also a uh, uh, you know a, a couple of really bad looking screens that weren't completed. Nothing was Chris book was 19 to 31 for 263, a touchdown and one interception. He threw a pick in this game and he didn't throw another one until 
what the ACC championship game? Clemson, yeah, the ACC championship, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that so, pick was so, after Kyron went for seventy-five and put him uh, yeah. right in the red zone. Yeah, so he threw that one pick, and that was it. He threw the first game season, and then all the way through. So it was a, it was very, very uneven uh, all the way around. But I think we we got our first taste of Michael Mayer, um, you know, in this game. Uh, it's yeah, D- <laughs> Jay Bramblett being the hero is not something you would have thought going into a Duke game. Uh, but again, just the whole ACC. I, I think that stuck out. I think the most for me was was honestly the the whole lead up to, and. Notre Dame's ACC debut, like somehow this was going to be different. Um, it, it just, I, I don't, I don't understand that narrative of it all. Um, but you know, it, it was what it was. It, it was, it was a frustrating game, I think, for for a lot of fans. And and yeah, you're right. We did dunk on the Samson theory, but but it it seemed legit, right? It, it started to set the tone. We we knew from the depth chart being released that week that things were going to look, be a little different with these bigger wide receivers and things they were going to do. So without all that practice time, without spring football and all that, it just, it took a minute for them, uh, you know, as the season wore on to get down into the, into kind of their groove and what they do. This was the beginning of it all. This, this at least kicked it all off. Oh, there we go. There we go. That's, that's yeah. That's perfect. Yeah, we, we're, we're on it. All right. <clears throat> It just, just rules all out. So Notre Dame is one and O oh, and uh, you know, you're, you're feeling a little, <clears throat> you're feeling a little crappy, right? Cause you, the Duke game wasn't what you had expected. And then, but you get, you get your flavor. You get South Florida coming back to Notre Dame. Somehow everybody just could not stop talking about the 2011 uh, South Florida game. Uh, you know, for I guess for obvious reasons, but as somehow that the ghost of that game was going to happen. Notre Dame is at Wyndham, fifty-two nothing. Jude, what do you what, what do you remember? What is your takeaways from this game? I think probably just as, how far we had come since two thousand eleven. I mean, this is a game that no longer where you're playing a clearly inferior team and you're and you're battling to the end. This was um, thirty-five nothing at the half. Uh, guys like Jake Rickman, uh, John Mahoney. Uh, Alexander Ahrensberger, Leo Albano, uh, Matt Salerno, like, well, Salerno ended up playing a lot more because he was on the punt coverage, but, uh, guys that you don't typically see out in the field ended up playing. They really emptied the bench on, on this one. Uh, Sebo Flemister was the big, uh, hoss of the day, 136 all purpose yards. Uh, I don't think we really saw anything much from, from Sebo after that, but it kind of uh, crushed that. What was your favorite Sebo Flemister run of 13 yards or more bit that we used to do all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Um, RIP that bit. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just, just a fun game, a fun time to sit down and watch. And to be honest with you, the thing I probably remember most about this game is what happened afterwards with all the, with all the COVID issues that ended up affecting Notre Dame and and stopping play for almost a month. Um, that's probably what I remember, uh, the most about this. Brandon. I was, it was that the game was on USA characters. Welcome. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That was the most uh, enduring part of this. I mean, offensively, there was there was when you look at some of the the routes that we've had in recent memories, there's always been you can always think back to uh, whether or not it was um, Josh Adams, the run against Miami of Ohio. Right. Or Kyle's pick six or Javon McKinley's long running catch or Avery Davis's long running catch. 
Uh, this one didn't have any of that. There, there was 52 points, but it was, it was a pretty boring 52, right? I mean, it's only mm-hmm. 430 yards, you know. To yeah. Offense, yeah. It just, um, yeah, it was a. The thing I will remember about this game forever is the fact that it was on the Notre Dame played a football game on, on USA. I've seen football games in the last 12 months on the <laughs> USA Network, on Nickelodeon, um, on Freeform. <laughs> You know, all of the places you expect to see football. Naturally. Hey, I'll take more games on Nickelodeon. That, yeah, that, that, was, was, fun. Uh, that was actually that pretty fun. fun. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, so, again, Sebo Flemister being your leading rusher with 127 yards. Tommy Tremble was the leading receiver in this game, 61 yards. None of that screams 52 nothing at all, period. And none of the ads. Well, I didn't say none of them. I guess there was the the Jordan Botello uh, block punt touchdown. So I mean, still though, forty five points. Aquanu had it right, and Botello, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Aquanu uh, blocked it. Uh, Botello probably was down before he rolled into the end zone. <laughs> uh, if I remember, if I remember right, yeah, it so was there were like two blocks. There the were more. two blocks in that game then, right? Because oh. Aquanu had one, and then Botello's was totally different, I believe. This is the one where Botello drilled the the punter dude, right? In the end zone. This was this game, right? That's how forgettable this game was. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. I don't quite remember. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not quite. I'm not real sure about that. Uh, but it, it was a total. It was a total waste. Uh, of a to wa- of a game to watch. I mean, honestly, I mean, it was, South Florida got, had one play that did. They had a forty, like a forty-one yard run or something like that. Uh, early in the early in the game, they they ended only ended up with like two hundred thirty-one yards total. Uh, their their quarterback uh, JJ McLeod eight of fourteen for sixty-four yards. I mean, it's just it was just a total like handling. Oh, and so now we will move on. Uh, <laughs> all right. So now we move on to, uh, to being down and out. <laughs> uh, the wake forest game was supposed to happen. Uh, it, what was kind of shitty was that, um, you know, we were all worried about South Florida coming up because of South, because of Florida's, uh, COVID rates and all that. And as it turned out, you know, eh, it was more of a Notre Dame problem at mealtime, uh, where South where South Florida was pretty pissed off uh, about what was going on. So the Wake Forest game was postponed. So you got this massive two-week break. You know, so you play Duke, uh, at kind of kind of a shit game, uh, but you know you got a, a, a two-touchdown win. You bring up a clearly inferior South Florida team. You beat them. You get two weeks off. Now here comes Florida State, and this is a Florida State team that uh, was already like bad. Or, or not good. Yeah, they were uh, one and two really, coming into the game. Yeah, they're and really reaching to and you know Brent, new quarterback. Uh, I think this was the first game, right? This is the first game of uh, of Tra- Jordan Travis. Yeah, because Black beginning of the just bench. Okay. Yeah. So all right. So anyway, so Notre Dame ends up winning this game, forty-two twenty-six. Jude, what's your biggest takeaways from from this game? So basically, that that Notre Dame, despite um, winning, what is it now? 30 some consecutive games against unranked teams has engendered no goodwill amongst a certain fan base, a certain section of the fan base. It was 17, 14 after one quarter. 
everyone was collectively freaking out. How could we possibly lose to Florida state? Um, you know, there was some, there was definitely some unfollowings and mutings that I was doing on, on Twitter. I think I even during this game, I shut down Twitter for a while because it was just so the, the, the air was like so toxic amongst the fan base about, uh, about how this game was going. And then by halftime, it's 35, 20, it looks like a totally different game. Right. And so that's, that's sort of what I remember, which is, I remember the podcast before this game, we were talking about, will Notre Dame look sluggish? Is it possible that they come out and have a slow star or possibly have, you know, a whole, a whole game and it takes them to get back to, you know, just because they weren't practicing. That was the other thing that I remember was they were, they were taking all this time off. And, uh, you know, as it turned out, it wasn't like it was prep time. No. And as it turned out, Notre Dame is, you know, it, it is a, uh, high tier t- tier two team and, and, you know, certainly championship level type team. And, you know, they took care of a Florida state team that went out then, I think the next week and waxed, uh, North Carolina, if I recall correctly, and, and just sort of saying everyone's kind of, that was when we started breathing a sigh of relief about this game which was like, okay, well, we only beat them by 16 points. But then look what they did to North Carolina. It was supposed to be the, our second hardest appointment behind Clemson. So maybe this team's actually good, which it turned out they weren't. But um, that's what I remember about this game. Brandon? Uh Yeah, I mean, the thing I remember most about this game is just how dominant the running game was and the offensive line specifically. Uh, this was the best rushing performance Notre Dame had since the last time they played Florida State. In 2018, uh, when the, <laughs> this time they went for two or 353, um, it kind of reminded me in a lot of ways of the North Carolina game, because uh, once again the, the Clark Lee defense gives up points early, and then they buckled it down and they ended up just giving nine points the rest of the way. But they gave up that 17 points in the first quarter, and after that it was basically they couldn't do anything. Notre Dame ended up sacking them four times. Um, it became a very fun game to watch in the second half. Um, but yeah, just, it, it was the first time in a while that two Notre Dame running backs went for a hundred each. Tyree went for a hundo and, uh, Kyron went for like 185. Um, so that, that's fun. And I got to see Tyree do good things. Tyree bust one, which was not, I think it was his first big, big run of the year. Yeah. For that 45 um, yarder. Yeah. Yeah. So for this me, that's also the game that's especially uh, about not having to eat a hat. <sighs> <laughs> this is also the game that uh, Liam Eikenberg about lost an eye uh, and, oh, and yeah. played with one eye. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Games, yeah. It, it probably, one of the more probably classic images uh, from the 2020 season for Notre Dame. Um, God bless you, Liam Eikenberg. You're a fucking beast. Uh, but, you know, they acted like, like, oh, he was fine. There's no way that guy saw a lot of that eye. Uh, and as a left tackle, it'd be in your left eye. Uh, how uh, how that happened, I, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, a little dicey early on, and you could tell the 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 slap fest was going on with the you know with you know the fumbles and you know all that stuff. Uh, but they turned it back around. It was also uh, when we found out Javon McKinley was going to be a beast uh, for the rest of the season, according to Brian Kelly. Uh, it you know he had five catches for 107 yards. It was it was a beautiful thing. Against Asante Samuel Jr. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So now we are moving on to <clears throat> the next game here. Maybe not so beautiful. Notre Dame. Oh this, this was a game. 
Notre Dame beat Louisville 12-7. to This was a game where, <clears throat> especially Brendan, uh, had this game circled as this could be a shootout. This is going to get dangerous uh, be- because of the weapons and uh, that Louisville had. Uh, and it turned out to be dangerous, but like in the opposite fashion. Uh, Jude, what are your biggest takeaways from this game? This is the game that launched a thousand. How will Notre Dame ever compete with Clemson type columns, right? Because Notre Dame came out and was sluggish against a, a, uh, at least in the record book, a, a, a bad Louisville team. Right. And the yeah, thing I remember most, I yeah. For, the thing I remember most about this game was Notre Dame went, um, I think it was, well, a dozen plays in the first drive settled for a field goal after Ian book gets sacked the next drive, even longer, like 15 plays, uh, Ian book gets sacked, kills the drive. It's six freaking nothing at the half. I mean, there was definitely some like cold sweats that were going on. Uh, Louisville took the lead seven, six midway through the third. And everyone's like, this is nightmare fuel. Um, and so they didn't look good. Uh, books final line 11 for 19 for 106 yards. That's Brandon Wimbush esque. Um, and so I think there was some real concern following this game that Notre Dame, you know, at four and they were probably the shakiest four and team in the, in the, uh, in the league. I think when I look back on this game and people aren't going to, I think we undersold and we still don't give enough credit for how much the weather truly affected this game. Um, the winds in this Very game windy. were crazy, like absolutely crazy. And it shows by Ian book being 10 for 19, but he only threw the ball 19 times. Um, Notre Dame only punted twice in this football game. They scored 12 times and they only punted twice. Uh, a lot of that, once again, is the fact that they had those red zone woes with five trips to the red zone. Technically, I count four. Because one of them was that kneel down after the the long drive at the end, but they still, in four legit red zone trips, only got one touchdown, and that just that can't happen for a team that went eight for fourteen on third down in the football game. You come away with twelve points. So the thing I will remember is just lost opportunities for this one. Just. This was a microchasm of what ended up affecting them later on against uh, Clemson round two in Alabama round. Uh, well, not really so much uh, Clemson or Alabama. That was just a death bucket. But Clemson round two is just red zone most, man. And this game was on full display. Yeah, it was it was it was just it was a shit game. It was just terrible. Uh, the wins were a major factor. But, you know, no one wants to hear that because they always look at it as an excuse. But. Again, like you said, but I mean, Cunningham only threw 19 times. I think yeah. they had a, another guy come in for a couple more passes, but I mean, this just wasn't, this wasn't the day uh, for it. Notre Dame's leading receiver was Ben Skronik. He had two catches for 28 yards. I mean, that's, that's just sick. I mean, that's, that's, I, that, those are mind boggling inverse numbers. Um, I also kind of remember a little bit of the angst uh, about the two point conversion try there on the, on the lone touchdown of the day. Like it shouldn't have happened. This game shouldn't have happened. Right? <laughs> it's just, <laughs> it's just bad. Uh, so we can, uh, God, it was just, it was just so bad. So, so bad. All right. Moving on here. So we got that out of the way. Now, mind you, their name is ranked fourth in the country. Uh, when, when they played Louisville, I, I think they're ranked fourth. Um, so 
you know, although they're undefeated and, and everything's, you know, going right, they're still like, this team just isn't doing it. And now they're going to Pittsburgh. And Pitt has that reputation of, of being able to, to, to take down a, a top dog. And Notre Dame certainly was, you know, ranked like a top dog, I think. Uh, but, you know, Pitt, Pitt's got that reputation. Things kind of cha- things took on a different level. There's a different flavor for Notre Dame after this game. Uh, Jude, what, what were your biggest uh, impressions? This was a 45-3 win over Pitt, mind you. Uh, what, what were your impressions? So again, like the other games, a slow start, slow first quarter. Um, second quarter is sort of where they where they turned it on. I remember Michael Mayer, um, maybe his first touchdown of the year, Ben Skoranek, who, you know, obviously was on the radar as, as a, as a top three receiver, but this was his kind of big coming out game. Uh, he had two touchdowns in this, including a 73 yard bomb from, from book, um, which was great. And I just, I remember, you know, most, that Notre Dame went on the road for the first time all year. And it was, it was the end of October and they finally like looked like they were putting it all together. Like it was, the defense was dominant. The offense was crushing it. And I was starting to feel like they were getting themselves quite prepared for whatever Clemson had prepared for them. I guess this game for me was a little looking back at the time. It was very fun. Um, cause we all got to make death, um, super death weapon jokes uh, about the super weapon, but it was a very frustrating game in a lot of respects. Notre Dame ran the ball 50 times and only got 115 yards. Part of what made that especially frustrating is that Chris Tyree only got three carries in the game and Jafar Armstrong ends up getting seven carries in the fourth quarter. Why is Jafar Armstrong getting seven carries? Um, why is Braden Lindsay running um, a bomb with six minutes left in the 54 to, or 45 to three game? Why wasn't he running routes earlier in the game? Why wasn't, why didn't Kelly empty out the bench in this one and get some players, some action earlier? Um, I, I guess this, it was kind of a lost, a lost game in that like, you had it so well in hand and there was an opportunity for players to get in there, but they chose Jafar Armstrong to be the running back to get touches, which those were wasted carries. If you ask me, but. Kyron got shut down in this game. Yeah. 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 You, yeah. yeah you were 17 did. carries for 38. Sebo Flemister, again, your leading rusher with like 46 <laughs> yards. Yeah. 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 48 yards. Um, the the funny thing, so this game, I, I I set a turning point in the season for Notre Dame, and maybe that was more from a standpoint of of media, uh, you know, it's out there because what what happened in this game was Notre Dame using Ben Skoranek, Michael Mayer, Javon McKinley, and I remember Michael Felder uh, tweeting a lot about this game and just talking about these are some big fucking dudes. This team is big. These are monsters that are out there to kill you. And he wasn't the only one. I mean, a lot, a lot of other people that um, media members that follow were seeing those kinds of tweets. Notre Dame was like, basically were making their statement about who they were in this game. Um, as frustrating as it was, and again, only 115 yards in the, uh, on the ground for Notre Dame. Um, you know, and Book had 40 of those. 
but it, they were kind of making a statement like, well, this is who we are. We're a big ass team. We're a, you know, we're a good defense. It was just, it's, and it was a good ass time. I mean, it was really a, the scoring itself was just, was elite because number one, I don't think we were quite expecting it. And number two, you're just, you're coming off of that terrible Louisville performance. So this was a, this was a deep uh, sigh of relief type of game for Notre Dame and for its fans. Even though when you look back on it, it was, it was kind of, it was still very strange and how it all shook out. Um, you know, yeah, Brendan Clark got in for a little while there, why he wasn't in more. I get the Braden Lindsay thing was, was kind of insane. Uh, but it was, it was the game that kind of set the table for what Notre Dame would be for the rest of the season. You know, accurate, I think. <laughs> so, so, so we got that in our back pocket. Now we're traveling down to Hotlanta. They don't like being called Hotlanta anymore, do they? I don't. No, I still like being called. No, they don't like being called Hotlanta. I don't think so. Okay. Okay. So I can call them Hotlanta. Well, you know what? Call the ATO. We'll ask Moons on Twitter or Irish Elvis. They're down there. Yeah. Andy Lawrence. Anybody down there? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. Maybe maybe that that went the the way of uh, of Little John. I don't know. Uh, But. You know, again, Georgia Tech, not a good football team at all. Uh, and, and so, Jude, we went, Notre Dame wins this game 31-13. Uh, the score seems uh, – give me your impressions of this game. Yeah, so I think if, if you were to do a quiz, hey, who are all the people that Ian Book ever threw a touchdown pass to in, their, in his Notre Dame career? Like, Joe Wilkins Jr. is going to be the guy you forget. I just – I think that there's a lot about this – game that's totally forgettable in fact the the thing that i remember the most probably is that dave pash and mike golick called the game but they all but golick called it from connecticut and pash was in like arizona or something like that they weren't even at the the stadium right and the thing i've definitely blocked out was kyron fumbling on their way to Notre Dame going up 14 nothing and instead being returned 93 yards the other way to make it a 7-7 game uh, and people just collectively freaking out about, of course, that because we can't have nice things. Right. Um, that's what I that's what I remember about this game. It was a it's a weird 31 13 game in that uh, Notre Dame kind of just kept scoring, but it was never a, a lot of points. It was just steady. And um, yeah, I don't know. That's that's what I remember. Brother. Yeah, it was another uh, one of those games where Notre Dame ends up running the ball down to the three yard line and then just, uh, you know, kicking it actually they got ball. to the one. Yeah. They, well, no, no, no. They, uh, they, they got it to the one yard line and then, uh, they, they ran the clock out. Right. It was one of those instances oh, yeah, right. again where, yep. uh, yeah. rather than punching it in to make a 38. Um, yeah, this game for me was the, it was frustrating because I wanted, I wanted another goose egg and it could have been, if not for the 93 yard fumble recovery, and then um, the fact that with the second the second team in there, Georgia Tech gets a touchdown on eight plays for 69 yards. When Georgia Tech in the first half against the first team defense had a grand total of 66 yards. <laughs> so on one one drive against the the second team, they get uh, three more yards than Georgia Tech did, did the whole first half. Um, this game was it was the perfect tune-up game. And it, and it felt like that too, where it was just like, let's not get anybody hurt. Let's just get on to Clemson 
And uh, that's that's ultimately what it was. And by the way, we knew at this point that that Trevor Lawrence had been ruled out for the Notre Dame game because he yes. wasn't playing at Boston College. So that was yes. that was making us feel good too. Yeah. Yes, this was the day where Boston College uh, put a little bit of scare into Clemson. Um, it it never felt like we were playing Georgia Tech. Uh, to me, that was uh, that was Southern Purdue uh, <laughs> that was out there on the field that day. Uh, Georgia Tech wore those black jerseys. Uh, just everything, everything about them screamed, uh, uh, screamed Purdue. They even, I mean, which Purdue usually has like one guy right on the team. Georgia Tech, I mean, that Gibbs is a hell of a running back, and he's a freshman, yeah. I believe too. Yeah, he's a freshman. Uh, yeah, a ton of respect for that kid. Um, I thought, I, I thought he looked like he looked really, really good. Uh, but yeah, it was just here. Here's another game Notre Dame just wins. Another boring ass game, uh, which to me is, is the sign of, of a really good fucking football team. When you have this many boring games, I mean, how many times do you really watch an Alabama game in a season? Not many because they're fucking boring. Uh, so just another one of those learning gets away with it. All righty here. So still undefeated. All these games behind us. Everything since fucking January. Has been written about the next game on Notre Dame's schedule. Notre Dame was number four in the country, and they welcomed the number five, or excuse me, number one team in the country in the Clemson Tigers. Notre Dame wins just a hell of a double overtime game, 47 40 over the number one ranked Clemson Tigers. This obviously was no, um, you know, no, uh, tra- no Trevor Lawrence. Jude, take it away. Well, obviously what I remember is Karen Williams coming out right away and punching him in the gut, 65 yard touchdown. Um, you know, I, I felt good, uh, about the game just because who Clemson was missing. And I felt good about taking that early lead. Obviously, uh, the JOK, um, gift touchdown was, a was another good memory. Um, little, obviously a little concerned, I have very good memories about Ian book and Avery Davis hooking up on the, on the final drive. Uh, this is one, you know, one of my favorite days as a Notre Dame fan. I think that's a, you know, kind of a, a good, a good memory. I remember that, um, BT Potter and Jonathan Dorr couldn't miss all game. It was just insane. The number of <laughs> field goals that got kicked in this game. And, uh, remember being impressed as all hell about, uh, DJ. Thank you. I appreciate it. Oh, wow. I had a be You know what? I've had a drink, so it's, it's there, but I thought that he really showed out and I think he's going to be a force to be reckoned with, uh, you know, and, and cause a lot of teams, a lot of headaches in uh, in future years. So I just, you know, I remember the court, the field storming and I remember people freaking out about that. And I just, it was, it was just a great day and it was great to share it with all of you guys and, and Greg and the, the happy post game. Yeah. Brendan, the thing that a lot of the earlier parts of the game, I mean, through second and third and fourth viewings of it, I go, oh, yeah, that kind of happened. But the one sort of poignant moment that forever sticks in my memory is that last drive of the football game. And that's ultimately my biggest takeaway of the whole thing is that it doesn't matter to me as much what came before the Kyron thing, not scoring touchdowns, the narrative or whatever it was. Um but it's Notre Dame never scored 
that touchdown with a minute and 26 in a minute and 26 seconds to tie the game. Yeah. They, they never, never did against Georgia. They never did against Georgia twice. Yeah. We've, we've been let down in that situation so many times. It's, it's just, yeah, it's just, or the team does it to Notre Dame. Um, I saw Jimmy Clausen say one in the end zone against USC. I, Ugh. I've seen this play out. Michigan, Michigan did it to us in consecutive years, 2009, three and 10. straight years, three and three 10 and 11. Yeah. 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 Um, it just, it, that always happens to us. And when it get, comes to our opportunity for Notre Dame's opportunity for that to happen, Notre Dame never gets it. And I just remember just being there, like watching the game in my basement, you know, every, every third down, every, every, well, just all one of the third downs, right. Because <laughs> uh, Kyron had the, the 15 yard run on third and one, but you know, there was a third and goal. And I just, a part of me was like, it's not going to happen. They're going to, it's going to be once again, fourth and goal from like the Clemson, uh, from like a two point conversion and they get stuffed and I'm very sad, but it happened. And I will always have that. And I'll always have the post game pod with you guys. And, uh, just the elation I felt that night is unmatched in watching sports. Yeah. We've talked about this. Uh, I think maybe just in our DMS, you know, about like, no one's going to give a shit about Trevor Lawrence not being on this, uh, not not playing this football game, uh, you know, a couple of years from now. No one's going to look back and be like, oh, they beat the number one team. But oh, was that? I mean, it's just I don't think it's going to be a thing. And mind you, uh, DJ had the most passing yards by a Notre Dame opponent in history that night with 439 yards. Yeah. It, it was a crazy. It was it was one of those games that. We talked about this quite quite a lot, I think, on the lead up to and in the off season was these type of games are the you know the forty two, forty five football high scoring games are what are what these elite teams are are used to what what was what happens. And yes, it was forty seven forty, but Notre Dame still only gave up thirty three points to Clemson in the in the regular um, in regulation. So uh, that sticks out. But look. Kyron Williams showing out that 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 first touchdown run uh, just it gave you all the feels. Uh, so, but you know, I, I don't know who who says it all. Who, how many times uh, have you heard Pete Sampson or somebody were talk about? Well, it, it took them you know 59 minutes to score another offensive touchdown. So fucking what? Uh, the biggest takeaway I get was the biggest takeaway that Clemson got was they got their shit rocked out there when they're talking in the post game about how hard Notre Dame is hitting and how physical they were. That meant as much to me as, as any score or any touchdown from that game, uh, holding Travis ATN to 28 yards. is pretty amazing. So great, great ass night, a little overtime there. I actually gave us five minutes on, on this one because, uh, we went in a double <laughs> overtime. We just served a little extra minute there. Um, yeah. but yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing feeling, amazing night. Um, God, you know, it's just like, just need more of that, right? That's the dream. So we're on top of the fucking world now. We just beat the number one team in the country. Uh, we, we, our path to the ACC championship game is pretty well set. Uh, but now we got to go deal with something else. And that something else is uh, Boston College and Phil Jerkovic. Jerkovic, if you will. <laughs> now, again, 
just like the nonsense, the, this whole season was full of some nonsense, just like the nonsense of like continually talking about the 2011 South Florida game. People could not stop talking about the 1993 BC game. It just, it, it became a thing. Uh, you knew it was going to be a thing. And then all of a sudden it was a thing. Uh, it, it, a dumbass thing uh, to talk about. I think we all talked about that quite a bit about how stupid that was. So anyways, Notre Dame goes into Chestnut Hill, gets a win, 45-31 over BC. Jude, what were your thoughts? So my thoughts were that the 93 thing was completely dumb, um, that this was this had, that had no bearing on this. At, at the same time, I wondered what kind of you know physical, grueling double overtime would have an effect on the team um, in terms of, you know, they had been slow starting. Uh, throughout the year and with the exception of the, the previous game and when they fell behind 10th three in this game i think there was a lot of uh gnashing of teeth again that were that was going on and especially because phil Dracovic was on the other side but to be honest with you the thing i remember most about this game was ben skoranek having himself an absolute game and feeling like no boston college uh corner could cover him on any play in the end zone and i remember sebo uh not sebo uh uh, Kyron Williams getting hurt, right? He had a, he had a uh, injury in this game that caused him to be sidelined. Uh, and he was having a pretty good game. I think before he got, before he got hurt. Um, I don't think the final score is really indicative of, of how lopsided this game was. It was, uh, it, it was pretty, it was pretty, uh, pretty certain from, from about halftime on that, that, that our name was going to prevail in this game. So, um, it was great. It was a great feeling to, to, to believe eight. No. And to have that, have that game after the big game, not be uh, that much of an issue. Well, I'll do it. Um, this was the fuck Phil game. <laughs> the narrative about this game that was being force fed down our throat was how angry Phil was, right? They had the story about him with the text message, angry, Phil. Uh, angry, Phil. printed off the, the text messages. No, 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 no. That Surf was the wrong smaller. and lazy narrative. The real narrative was about how angry Ian book was at having to hear about Phil fucking Jerkovic ev- around every single corner, how they're members of the Notre Dame beat that took every opportunity that they have and still have to tear down Ian and openly prop up Phil. This game was about Ian proving to everybody that he was the better quarterback and that Phil transferred because Ian was better. And guess what? Ian played like it. Yeah. Phil went 18 for 40 throwing the foot, you know, throwing the ball for 272 and just one pick should have been three, right? Kyle dropped one and had one called back and had 34 yards rushing on the other side of the ledger. Ian was 20 for 27 for 283 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, 10 carries, 85 yards on the ground, and another touch. It was just an absolutely masterful game from from me and one of the best games that he's had at Notre Dame. And he did it to sort of just show tell people to shut up. And I think I think he did, right? Some people Yeah, circle got smaller. Shut up. Yeah. Circle did get circle smaller. Definitely got smaller. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what the, I mean, really that's what this is about. This I remember this game. I mean, how frustrated I was with the uh, with the broadcast because even what even when it was Notre Dame was clearly in control in the first half, they could not help themselves. They kept they kept hammering home this whole Phil thing. Like like all of a sudden like something else was going to pop up or and nothing did. 
Notre Dame took care of business, handled it completely. Um, Chris Tyree had 74 yards on the ground to be the second leading rusher for Notre Dame that day, you know, with, with Kyron on the, on the back burner. Um, and it was just, they just handled them, man. It was, it, it wasn't much of a, it wasn't much of a thing. Um, it was, you know, as I said, you know, Notre Dame was controlling their destiny to the ACC championship game. You know, if they kind of set it in stone with, uh, with Clemson, they, they, they painted the damn stone too, uh, with BC. Uh, we got to see Brian Kelly, chug liquid out of a rivalry trophy. <laughs> I mean, I, mean, I got to tell you, that's exciting to me because I, so much I thought we were going to have in 2020. We got that from BK, and God bless him. Oh my goodness, this is this is difficult. I have so many more things to say about these games. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you know we're getting into week th- the third week in a row here of doubt. So Notre Dame beat Clemson, you beat BC. Both those games, you had somebody like Stu Mandel picking against Notre Dame for whatever reason. I mean, it's just Notre Dame, they're just, everyone's waiting for Notre Dame to trip up. So if there was ever a game that they were going to trip up this season, besides against Clemson, it was supposed to have been this North Carolina Tar Heel, uh, just juggernaut offense, right? This was the game. It was a Friday game, the Friday after Thanksgiving game, Black Friday. This was the game where, where Notre Dame was going to lose. They were going on the road. All the stuff was going to be in play. And it didn't happen that way. Once again, Notre Dame kind of shoves it in everyone's face. Notre Dame wins 31-17. Jude, what do you got? So this game reminded me of the 2019 Louisville game, which is that North Carolina came out and scored. Notre Dame responds. North Carolina scores again. Notre Dame responds. North Carolina scores again. Notre Dame responds. So it's it's as as we mentioned earlier in the podcast, it's 17 all at the half, right? And at the same time, I feel like um, even though they've been playing down from from behind the whole game, uh, the offense is really clicking, and I just they just need to contain Sam Howell, right? The narrative. And then that's that's the story. There is the second half giving up zero points to the 19th ranked team. Um, pretty, pretty good, as they would say on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Uh, I remember the Ben Skoranek end around uh, kind of a, a a thing that we've watched Larry Keys do. We've seen Braden Lindsay do that a play, but never Betty Sko. So that was that was fun. Um, just, you know, to beat another ranked team, to have another feather in the cap. Uh, it wasn't just about beating Clemson without their best player. We beat North Carolina on their home turf on a Friday. Um, and, you know, they were supposed to be this team that was like basically the, the, the pretty upset special. Brenna? Was this Clark Lee's best game? Was this his magnum opus as a defensive coordinator for Notre Dame? If it wasn't, what it was we know, pretty damn close. Yeah, knowing what we know about North Carolina's um, offense with all of their pieces, right? They're a pretty potent offense. I mean, some teams with half their pieces will give up 28 points in a game, um, but Notre Dame facing them with all of their pieces uh, only allowed 17 points and no points in the second half. That second half may have, may, may be the, the finest defensive performance that Notre Dame has turned in, in a half of football and, 
I don't know, since 2002. Can you think of anything better than given what North Carolina was as an offense and what Notre Dame was capable of doing to them in the second half? And just for, you know, so we're all aware of, of what they did in the second half. Um, they had under 100 yards. How, what did they have? They had uh, uh, 78 yards of offense, North Carolina. Yeah. 78 yards of offense in the second half against Notre Dame. It just was an absolutely smothering defensive performance. <laughs> one yard rushing in the fourth quarter. Uh, negative one. I'm sorry. Uh, 30, 35 total uh, yards in the, uh, the fourth quarter. Amazing. Two of the, just, two of the top five PFF running backs, according to pro football. Focus, oh, yeah, that's right? right. These guys were supposed and, to run for 100 on each, each right? Yeah. Well, they, they ran for like 800 against Miami. To right. Yeah. <laughs> And just yeah, this, shut it down. Yeah, this might this might be my. It comes in as my favorite game of the season. This is definitely the my second favorite, and it's but it's so close because of how how twisted the narrative for everybody got fucked up here. Um, and I don't know. I know every, a lot of people were annoyed by how many times they were talking about backyard football with uh, Ian Book, but you know that that foot pass to, oh, to Michael Mayer. God, it was, you know, when he, when he did it, you're just about to shit yourself, but then you realize, oh, he caught it. Uh, Michael Mayer didn't, uh, didn't lose yards, uh, even though he did take a step forward. Uh, but it, it was just, it was a really an amazing, an amazing game. Uh, Kyron Williams had, was clearly the best running back on the field. Uh, it, it was kind of a, it was kind of a, a, one of those shut up games. Javon McKinley, 135 yards through the air. Javon McKinley was beast in this game. A couple of big, big, uh, long receptions. It, it was just, it was gorgeous. This, this game was, uh, like I said, was the one that shut everybody kind of up a little bit about what Notre Dame was or what they weren't. Uh, you know, and it was, it was beautiful. It was a good thing. I, I like to dig on A and M on that with all the pieces. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Ah, uh, so Notre Dame clearly the number two team in the country right now. Uh, at nine and zero, and what I think it was, it was after this game, right? It was after the North Carolina game, where the ACC decided they were going to sw- swap things around, right? Mm-hmm. Where Notre Dame wasn't going to go play Wake. It was so, so now you know you're the number two team in the country, undefeated. Um, you supposedly had two games left in the regular season. They just get rid of the Wake Forest game. Say you got one more left. You, you, they got. We got one more shot to beat you. Even if Notre Dame loses the next game, they uh, are still in the ACC championship game. Uh, And that next game was Syracuse. Uh, So 45-21 victory there. Jude, what do you got? Yeah, we knew they were going to win, but the fact that they were down 7-3, you know, late in the second quarter was freaking annoying, right? This is a one and nine Syracuse team. Um, you know, the, the offense looks out of sorts. They've done that thing again, where they've got all the way down to, you know, the five or six or seven yard line and they've stalled out and they've got to kick a field goal. And it's just, it's, it's an, it's an annoying game that, you know, predictably by halftime was a laugher. Um, and so I, I feel like a broken record cause I've, I've made this point about four or five games this year, which is like slow starts, but the second quarter they really poured it on. And then it's like, you know, coast city or whatever. It, this is a game you just, 
you just didn't want to screw up and mission accomplished. Yeah, there was a, um, I got to remind, this is the one game, uh, this season that I got to remind myself that Notre Dame played. <laughs> Georgia uh, Tech will be that just, game for me. Georgia Tech. Uh, the one thing about this one is Chris Tyree did have that very nice 95, 94 yard run. And I can't tell you how happy I was only for just moments later when uh, the running back for for Syracuse Lutz goes <laughs> 80 yards, yeah, and yeah. I was I was more upset the fact that Q scored 21 than the fact that the Tyree one put Notre Dame at 45 because the optics of 21 that's just you know that they that Q's now gets to be one of those those teams that that have scored you know they scored more points on Notre Dame than uh, North Carolina did. <laughs> <laughs> that that would have been a lost prop at the beginning of the season for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Look, this this game was uh, a senior day game, a senior day like no other. Uh, but it it also it put a stamp on a lot of things, and in particular for Ian Book uh, to be the winningest quarterback, you know, more wins than any other Notre Dame quarterback in, in Notre Dame history. Um, Notre Dame finished their third season in a row going undefeated at home with this game. Uh, there was a, a lot of, of positive things that came to, to end the season on with this, despite it having you know, some weirdness there. Uh, just to start off with the game, because like Jude said, seven to three, and you're like, what the fuck? And then they rattle off 21 points there in the last, what, three minutes and 18 seconds of, of the second quarter, <laughs> which was uh, pretty intense. But, but uh, and it just it, it gave you a, it did give you a little bit of an uneasy feeling uh, ending the season going to, going to go face Clemson, just giving up that many points to, to a team like Syracuse who had one win on the season. Um, but other than that, you know, like I said, it, it, it ended it ended a lot of things there inside Notre Dame Stadium. Mostly, it was the last game that Ian Book was going to play there, um, which is you know is a sad thing. I mean, that people have got maybe maybe 10 years from now, people will give Ian Book more credit than than what they're doing now. It's just it's it's a goddamn shame. Uh, you know, he didn't throw 50 yard bombs every other play, but he I just, won. I, I just thought he never lost. He never lost inside Notre Dame Stadium. Right. That's amazing. I uh, I just saw the play by play for the Syracuse game and it made me laugh because Syracuse's last drive. Uh, passing complete, uh, defended by Ovi Gufu, uh, <laughs> rushed for 12 yards, tackled by Houston Griffin, uh, rushed for three yards, tackled by Jack Lamb, rushed for four yards, tackled by Justin Adamalola. Game over. Three of the four guys who made plays in they that last on. series <laughs> are are gone. Although Houston Griffin, Houston could come back. Yeah, be coming back in the fold. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that uh, that's that's definitely something that's in play, which is uh, a good thing. I, I don't think it's. I know a lot of people were like, "Oh, that's fine, blah blah blah." Uh, I'm not one of those people. Like, it, like I can understand it, and you can you can start to move on from it a little bit. But if he wants to come back, that's great. Let's talk him into it. We got scholarships to give. We could have 800 people on, <laughs> literally 800 people on scholarship this year, uh, if we wanted. So, you know, do do what you got to do. All right. So, the undefeated. And second, look, Notre Dame was ranked number two in the country for a long time this season. Uh, and you're feeling we're feeling pretty good, though. Uh, we got to go down to Charlotte, take on Clemson. Obviously, there was a 
much is a much different uh, Clemson team. I think it's they it took on a different life with their uh, with the guys on defense that are back as opposed to Trevor Lawrence being back. Uh, but uh, Notre Dame loses this one uh, in a big way, 34-10. Uh, n- never looked good at all for Notre Dame in this game. Kind of kind of lost. Uh, Jude, what do you got here? Probably the most frustrating game I've endured um, for a long time. You know, uh, Michigan 2019 was frustrating in its own way, but but this one was heartbreaking because I really had sold myself on the the idea that yes, there were better players coming back for Clemson, um, but it wasn't. It was still Notre Dame. It was still Clemson. Uh, they played each other. The familiarity was helpful. Um, you know, they went down, they did their thing where they, they kicked the field goal because the drive stalled out. Then, uh, Trevor Lawrence gets intercepted on a, a tip ball and Kyle Hamilton's pick. Um, and you know, you get that, you get that fourth down and they don't go for it. They're at the freaking six yard line and fucking Jonathan Dorr misses that chip shot field goal. And then you're just like, Ugh. And you know, Clemson is too good of a team to have kicked a field goal against in the first series and to have missed a field goal against in the second series. And you wouldn't have felt any better at about six zero than you did about three zero. And then, you know, Lawrence lights up, uh, the, the secondary and it's seven three. And then, you know, I think by time it was, uh, fourth and one and Etienne was running for 42 or 44 yards it was time to turn off the television and go do something else because this was just, it, it just, it, it shattered me in a way that I didn't think sports were able to do to me anymore. I thought that I had kind of isolated myself from this, but I got a little too accustomed to believing that the Notre Dame was going to at least play this game competitively, if not outright win it. Brennan. Yeah. Uh, I think Jude summed it up pretty succinctly with just how that, the beginning of this game went and it's all about Notre Dame being unable to start fast. And it's starting fast means finishing drives. It means cashing in opportunities, especially early on Notre Dame had a chance to like, if you think about it, Notre Dame had a chance to really take control of this game early, especially after that pick. And you can't be kicking field goals against Clemson in a football game. Um, you can't be doing uh, silly things like uh, stretch runs with Ian Book um, on third and longs. You, I just I, I don't <laughs> I, I don't I don't understand. Like you were willing to go for it on fourth and three where Avery Davis decided to be the fastest that he's ever been in his entire life. Um, you know, where he overran that book pass on fourth and three uh, and then. Yeah, once 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 the floodgates were open and it was 14-3 and then it just you just knew what was going to happen after that. It was just you can't let a team like that get in front you can't let a team like that get in front of you in the manner in which they did and for what felt like I you you didn't I think what frustrated me is I didn't want I wanted anything but that to happen. I didn't want to get boat raced. And then what happened? They got boat raced. So yeah, there's not many games uh, where you can uh, say you say somebody lost in the first quarter. Notre Dame lost this game in the first quarter for sure. I mean, the, 
all three of us, I think that's a, like your first thought. Like, what do you, it could have been like 17. I, I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous what wasn't gained uh, by Notre Dame in that first quarter alone um, with, with the openings were there. And again, they, they had a 52.9% winning percentage, which was their highest for that whole game right there when it was first and goal at the Clemson 10, uh, which, you know, and Kyron Williams runs for five yards. It was, it was frustrating beyond all hell. I, I'm glad that we're over talking about this. There's not a lot to say. We <laughs> it just it sucked ass. We saw it in that first quarter, and it just it snowballed from there. And seeing Chris Ty, I don't even know how much Chris Tyree even played in that game, but I think I remember Brennan being like, I think weren't you like kind of beside yourself after Tyree got that touchdown? That was his only carry of the game. Was that 21 yard touchdown run? Yeah. Uh, I think you were you were a little little hot. Hot on the collar. <laughs> I think if like he how, would have gotten nine more, speed, they would have won the speed, game. Speed, speed guys. <laughs> yeah. Say it. Say it. <laughs> I mean, you needed your speed guys there. If, if you're going to fuck around like that in the first quarter, you need big plays after that. And Notre Dame, that just was not in there. And they opened the second half. Chris Tyree ended up having the same number of rushes that game as Sebo Flemister. One. Sebo opened the second half with a four yard loss. Just. Yeah. All right. So now we're moving on. Notre Dame's look, but it's fine. We're in the college football playoff. Like fuck you. Ain't the problem with that uh, kind of a problem with that Clemson game was, is that Notre Dame knew they were in the playoff. Everybody was saying it. We all kind of knew as long as they didn't lose and they got boat raced, but people were like, as long as they even Herb street was saying it from like the second quarter on, like, you know, 54-7, you know, maybe they're still in. That means the game didn't mean shit, really, for the the whole picture. Uh, so Notre Dame gets in, and of, of course, of course, the draw is Alabama. Yeah, I mean, just the absolute worst <laughs> worst draw to get, which is what Notre Dame usually gets in any bowl, in most uh, big bowl games, and of course, and the playoffs, is the best team in the country. Uh, so, Notre Dame goes uh, goes and plays this Rose Bowl in Texas and lose 31-14. Jude, what do you got? I just I had made peace with this game before it had even started. I was I was there to to watch my team one final time in in a in a good season. I was there to appreciate the the talent that was Mac Jones and Devonta Smith and Najee Harris. Um I, I I held no illusion that we were going to win this game. Uh, I obviously didn't want it to be 42-14, but um, you know I thought if they acquitted themselves well against a, a very talented team, I was going to be satisfied. And in a weird way, uh, this game this game didn't bother me at all. Losing this game didn't bother me at all. The only thing that bummed me out was just that you know a 10 and 0 season it ended 10 and 2, but. Um, you know, I think that was, I think we knew that was certain after the, the Clemson result that we were going to get Alabama. So that's what, that's what I, I remember about this game. Um, I'll always remember that if in the first half, Alabama scored 35 points against Ohio state, and they only managed to score 31 points against Notre Dame in the entirety of the, the first round of the playoff. So I'll always have that. I'll always have that that stupid, uh, stupid award and trophy title of um, for both times Notre Dame was in the playoff. They got beat 
not as bad as uh, the team that had to play the team that played them immediately after. <laughs> there's nothing to yeah, it, it just yeah, yeah. There's nothing to take from it. Uh, uh, look, uh, so I caught up on some podcasts uh, just just this last weekend and some stuff. So just and some observations from from listening to those about this game. Number one, the athletic the uh, Andy Staples podcast. They they did the post semifinal pod included both semifinal games. It included all of about four and a half minutes of Notre Dame and Alabama. Uh, everything else was about was about Clemson, Ohio State. I mean, no, no shit. Literally like four minutes, and it was just like, hey, Notre Dame covered. And that's and that really is the synopsis of like most people outside of the Notre Dame bubble. I mean, there's a lot of Notre Dame fans that were beside themselves, like. You know, the fire BK shove maybe wasn't as strong, but that crowd was out in full effect. Like, whoa, like we suck, blah, blah, blah. We don't. And then you, of course, yeah, you know, the other fans out there screaming about how we don't belong. But really listening to like, just like Notre Dame haters, like, you know, and I say hater, like with, with some love and affection, like spent like in the shutdown full cast, listen to, to Spencer and, and Jason and, and Ryan. And they're just like, this, this wasn't the game to hate on Notre Dame. It just, it wasn't, it was Alabama as a superior fucking far superior football team out of anyone else uh, in the country. And Notre Dame did fine. They could have tried more. That was the biggest takeaway for, er- yeah. for most everybody is that we could have tried more. Um, and maybe we don't look as respectable if, if they do that, but I think that was the biggest takeaway is like they, they could have tried a little bit harder uh, to win this game as far as like, you know, taking shots, you know, uh, take some chances, fourth downs, uh, stuff like that. Um, but I wasn't like, this wasn't depths of despair. This wasn't 2012 Alabama kind of game. This, this had some kind of semblance of respect. It just in a sense, especially, you know, again, like Brenda was saying, after you watch what they did to Ohio state, you're like, okay. Cause like, look, if you start talking about talent, there's only one team in the country that can stand up to Alabama talent-wise when it comes to recruiting rankings, and that's Ohio State. And look what happened. So I, I, don't, I don't know what else to say other than, like, Notre Dame's not in that league. So that, that game was never going to happen any other way unless something crazy happened. It, it was what it was. I mean, it was what it was. But it, it was funny. It really is funny, like, the reactions from, uh, from national media members about this game uh, was more just like, yeah, whatever. And then to hear people defend uh, Notre Dame's inclusion in the playoff as who else you put in there, like the, really the the trashing of A and M uh, continuing was my favorite because really fucking A and M. I mean they they had no business being in the playoff. They they had none. Uh, and, and any anybody that watched that North Carolina game know what North Carolina didn't have on the table or out in the field. Uh, just yeah, whatever. I mean it was someone had to be the four seed sacrificial lamb. Notre Dame had a good enough season to get there. That's all it was. Maybe like a, how many losses Ole Miss have this year? Four? I mean, they, they played Alabama like to the T, but they were like four for four on fourth down. I mean, Florida yeah. put up a hell of a fight against them. You know, that, that was a hell of a game, but I just, this wasn't it. This was a bad matchup and Notre Dame didn't try to change the matchup. They didn't try to change who they were. They stayed who they were, which w- was not going to beat Alabama. 
And that's it. Notre Dame finished season 10 and two. Brennan and I talked about this last time. We're, we're, it's fine. It's, it's fine. Top five. Uh, they finished Dame, top five. Top five. They're, they're going to be there again next year. I'm telling you, I, I was predicting already. Jack Cohn gives them an extra win or two. You go up and down that 2021 schedule. Uh, it's pretty, it's, it's easy to talk yourself into another double digit win season. Uh, maybe even another chance at the playoff in a year where everyone's saying it's going to be this massive rebuilding re- reload or whatever uh, rebuilding year. You can still see a, a, a run is what I'm saying. So that's not bad to have that much confidence uh, on a season where, 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 you know, maybe you don't have any business being there. So going to play against two top 10 teams next year. That's such a joke. This don't forget about the number I, 11 Bearcats. Uh, I saw them eighth in one po- in one preseason poll. Just the last so. Bearcat assistant coach turn the lights off, please. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I said we we're going to have to do this. Uh, I know we're, we're we're running some uh some good minutes here. But again, I keep saying, well, let's talk about um Let's talk about some of our old recruiting classes. Keep, you know, we do this, all that. So this show, we're going to start doing that. Every, I think every OFD podcast, uh, we're going to bring up a, a old Notre Dame recruiting class and just go down the line and then whatever we got to say about it. So we're going to start off with the oldest one we could find online, like like put together, like like so that goes back to 1999. So we talk about the 99 class. They signed 20 players. I'm going to list them off here. These are the 20. Irish signees of 1999, Jeff Fain, Ryan Gillis. Uh, I'll, I'll say permit. I better do p- position too. Cause Jude, do you know what position Ryan Gillis played? He played. No, you don't. So Gillis, he played guard. He was an offensive. No idea. So, yeah. Okay. So, and this, there are no stars associated with this class. Uh, this is like, 2002 was really the beginning of the internet recruiting era. Uh, so go, getting be able to go back to 1999 is kind of a treat because uh, most classes or rivals, especially with the starts, the internet recruiting area that only goes back to 2002. So here's the, the 99 class offensive lineman, Jeff Fain, offensive lineman, Ryan Gillis, running back, Julius Jones, uh, defensive end, Jim Molinaro, cornerback, Jerome Sapp, tackle, Neil Ab- Abron, Ambron, uh, cornerback Jason Beckstrom, defensive end Daryl Campbell, uh, offensive tackle Brennan Curtin. They spelled his name wrong here. Safety Glenn Earl, tight end Gary Gotze, uh, defensive end Cedric Hilliard, guard Sean Milligan, cornerback Albert Pori, uh, linebacker Pat Ryan, kicker Nick Seta, wide receiver Jamar Taylor, uh, linebacker Justin Thomas, running back Chris Yura, uh, which is actually a fullback, and wide receiver. Wide receiver Courtney Watson. Wide receiver Courtney Watson. Okay. Okay. So this couple of things about this list that are absolutely wrong. Courtney Watson was never recruited as a wide receiver. Anyways, she recruited as a running back, played running back in high school uh, and converted to the linebacker, obviously. Uh, And then uh, Gary Gotze was a quarterback in high school, if I believe who we had to change to a tight end and then change back to a quarterback Right. <laughs> he ended up as a tight end. Yes. He ended his career. 
as a tight end. So. Right. Uh, there's, but there's some well-known names in the, I mean, in this class. I mean, uh, Jerome Sapp, I, I thought, I thought Jim Molinaro being a defensive end was pretty funny. He was Jingle such a lar- large offensive lineman. Uh, he came in at six, seven, two forty. I mean, that boy put on 60, like 65 pounds. Um, big, big Pennsylvania stock right there, but Jeff Fain, Julius Jones, Jerome Sapp, uh, Daryl Campbell, Glenn Earl. I mean, Sapp and Earl were a safety combination uh that was what they have like three years pretty much back there together uh as starters at least I mean, it wasn't three years at least it felt like it uh they're a long time a lot, a lot of big names on on this list so i just want to read you a quick uh thing that was written after the purdue game that got ended up beating trooperies uh basically <laughs> davy came into his house and said to him I said, look, we're not going to recruit you as a quarterback because I gave my word to some other young man that I would only take one quarterback. And he's told me he's coming. I know that's going to sting. You have to sit down. You have to make a decision. If you want to come to Notre Dame as a tight end, is it worth it to you? So the person that they had actually made the commitment to was CJ Leak. Oh, that's right. Florida's quarterback. Uh, He ended up signing with Wake Forest initially. (laughs) So anyways, um, he apparently was oh, a tight end. Okay. Well, again, 99. Let me tell you where my mind was <laughs> at, 20, at 21 years old, I believe, in 99. Uh, <laughs> like, oh, th- this was the, the time where you're like, we had no idea who any of these guys were until game one. And then you're like, like you know, who the, who the fuck's number 34 here? Uh, so, so. Jerome Sapp had a uh, like a cannabis or a marijuana business a couple of years ago. I think Lisa Kelly wrote him wrote him, wrote him up one time in a like where are they now sort of thing. But him and Glenn Earl obviously were a fearsome duo, and 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 uh, Sapp was in the league in the NFL for quite a while. He was a uh, captain with uh, Peyton on the the Colts team. He played for the Ravens too. Um, he played for the Bills too, didn't he? I don't I don't remember the Bills. Somebody, but, I thought- yeah. Yeah. He was with the Colts. Nick said, no, it was the Ravens. Nick said, was a, a track guy. I remember that. Uh, besides, obviously besides being a kicker. So Nick said, was carried off the field after beating Purdue. That's right. Wasn't that Nick so, Seda and so, Rudy, huh? Yeah. So yeah. So when you, when you watch Rudy now and they say no other, fi- that was true up to that point. Yeah. But then, and then <laughs> Nick, I have, one of my closest friends uh, who, who happens to be a Michigan fan, I was down in Cincinnati at, at, uh, at his apartment for that Purdue game. And he will never, ever, ever to this day when he's talking shit about ND to me, will bring up uh, carrying a kicker off the field. Oh, I mean, and so and this was long ass time ago. He will still bring that up. But yeah, Nick Seta was, uh, was carried off the field. Against Purdue, I gotta, I gotta wonder how many. Um, if Notre Dame has recruited more guys named Montana or more guys from Montana, I mean Pat, Pat Ryan being from Billings, Montana, is just like, is just blowing my mind. Um, not really a hotbed yeah, of, uh, not really a hotbed of a place. 
place that Notre Dame really goes out to get grab guys. You know, Texas, obviously Florida, no big deal. You got a Georgia guy in here. Got some Illinois dudes. There is absolutely zero Ohio players. Oh, Ohio dudes. Yeah, no, no Ohio dudes. No, which is just so I can't even quiz college. you on their uh, on their uh, their high school because they're they're not even here. No, it's appalling. Absolutely appalling. So I um, don't remember. I don't remember Neil Ambron at at all. What was Neil Ambron's deal? Do you remember anything about Neil Ambron? Absolutely nothing. Littleton, Colorado. <laughs> I I don't, I don't know anything about him. Okay. I really don't. Um, but I think everybody else. Think uh, I don't remember anything about Jamar Taylor either. Wide receiver from Texas. Neil Ambron apparently graduated from Notre Dame, so he he made it the whole time. <laughs> okay. Okay. What about what about Jamar? While you're looking up the at the Notre Dame rosters, there. Jamar Taylor <laughs> with two A's. That's all. Yeah, two A's. Yeah. Right, yeah, Chris, you're uh, he was uh, he was one of the one of the dying breed of fullback and from from Morgantown. I I remember a little bit of that of that that story about your uh, just uh, there was something in his, I I can't remember exactly what it was but there was something about his recruitment uh, that was unique that I totally can't remember at all but there was so, an article about him somewhere. <laughs> if I've got the right Jamar Taylor and and how many guys could possibly spell their name with two A's, he was born in Germany. He played for the Giants in the in the National Football League, uh, but he actually went to Texas A and M. So he must have been a he must have been a transfer. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, is it the, is, is it a name? Uh, Albert Poree, cornerback. That that's another one, and from New Orleans. That's, I guess that's another name that uh, doesn't stick out at all. Yeah. Yeah. He is a small a, class. A, I mean, twenty guys. Poree's a Poree's a coach now. He is the running backs coach at Southeastern Louisiana, but he went to Georgia tech. So. Insane. He, I think, he has uh, three children, Reese, Nola and Bowen. There you go. So Brendan, if, if you're looking at this list of guys, who would you say? <laughs> top, give me, give me your top three, uh, your top three faves uh, out of this class. Well, it's Jerome Sapp, Julius Jones, and Jeff Fain. I think that's the only acceptable answer. Julius Jones is the reason I'm married, of course, right? Uh, to my wife. But uh, yeah, I mean, those are those are my top three, just right off the top. I remember Jason Beckstrom wearing turtlenecks on the field. Do so you remember Jason Beckstrom? And he also did he play for the yeah, soccer team? Am I yeah, misremembering he was, that? He was number he was number nine. Uh, he actually he got a, a, quite a bit of PT under Willingham. Um, if, if I remember right, I mean, I mean, Beckstrom played quite a bit. Yeah. Do you, who, who would be your top three out of this class here, Jude? I, I, I totally agree with Brendan. I, I just, you know, to me, it's, it's, uh, it's Fane, it's, it's Jones and Sap. Uh, you know, I have, a, I have soft spots for Glenn Earl for the block against air force. Obviously Godsey with the in Godsey, we trust moment being Drew Brees. Um, I see Pat Ryan and I want to think of the Pat Ryan that knocked out Charlie Weiss's ACL, but this cannot be the same Pat Ryan. <laughs> well, uh, that, he wasn't Pat Ryan. No, he is. That Ryan wasn't his first name. Wasn't Pat. Oh, what was his name? I don't I can't remember. 
for oh, like, shit. For some, and, he's, and he's from Ohio, for God's sakes. Um, this uh, is going to bother me. I've got to look it up. But anyways, yeah, I agree with Brennan. Right. John uh, Ryan. Well, uh, Damn it. It was John another Ryan, yes. Irish Catholic name. <laughs> yeah, well, he's, and he, I think he was pretty sure he was a St. Ignatius kid. So, um, I, I mean, this, this seems like kind of just being argumentative for argumentative, but I'll take Fane, but I'll, I'm going to take the Sap Earl combo instead of Jones, uh, which seems like kind of sad. Look, Jeff Fane is one of my all time favorites period because that guy was fucking crazy. That was a mean motherfucker on the field. If you watch, if you go back and watch Jeff Fane play football, he was mean, dude. He was a, he's a mean person. Uh, but I'll always have endearing love for him because uh, I gave him a giant hug after the Michigan uh, game. And uh, I think Oh two then. Um, but, uh, but I look, I love Sapp and Earl that, that combination uh, as a DB myself, it was just gravitate towards that. Um, so not to, uh, not, you're not going to throw Julius Jones out of, out of the pile there by any means. I mean, he's one of the great Notre Dame running backs the last 30 years, but, uh, but if I had to take three as, as my favorites, just a personal thing, uh, Fane, uh, Earl and, and Sapp for sure. Sorry, JJ. Fane was a first round NFL draft pick too. Yeah. Tampa Bay. No, Cleveland. Oh, that's right. That's right. He had, he ended his career in Tampa Bay. Yeah. Or at least that's a, that was his next yeah. stop after Cleveland anyways. Yeah. John Ryan did go to St. Ignatius, by the way. Yeah, of course he did. Of course. I Why mean, did I even bother wrong. looking it up? Yeah, I, I was going to say he wasn't going to get that wrong. <laughs> I mean, there's if you say a Notre Dame player from Cleveland, honestly, you have a 90% chance if you just say St. Ignatius. <laughs> I mean, there's a few other schools. Let me say Ed's and all that, but it's now, if you say Notre Dame player from Cincinnati, now you're, now you're in some murky water. Now I'm in some murky water. Cause I'll confuse the fuck out of a molar and, and, uh, and, 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 uh, oh, maybe, oh, probably, yeah, maybe what's that? Probably say that. Yeah. Say next and, and, and molar. I'll, I'll confuse everyone. Col- we don't get too many from Coleraine. Um, but anyway, anyways, anyway, anyways, yeah. So it, obviously it was going to be St. Ignatius. <laughs> so I, ha- I started looking at the, so I, Probably gonna do a lot of recruiting articles over the next few weeks, uh, so I was starting to look at some offer the offer list and shit like that. And but usually, my one of my first things I do is look at like who are they going after in Ohio, <laughs> obviously. But I have, but I honestly have not done that yet. Um, but I was looking at um, probably gonna have an article coming out about the five star offers. One of the most comical things: Notre Dame just got a commitment today from four star defensive end Tyson Ford, who's a top seventy five player on Rivals. Um, top 200 player on 247. Uh, and I was actually shocked how, how many fans commented, uh, a lot, most of them were Facebook, about, eh, he's not a five star. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Mm. Are, are, top are, 100 are, kid. Are we, are we really going to do, you really going to do that? You really going to be pissed? Like, not only that, but people were pissed because he wasn't a five star wide receiver. You know what I'm saying? Like, what would you do with a class of 23 five-star wide receivers? Get fucked. I mean, honestly, (laughs) I mean, get fucked. You have to, this is a huge, 
This is a huge fucking get for Notre Dame. Huge. Number one, he is a fucking awesome football player who has a ton of potential. Number two, he was about to go to Oklahoma. I mean, they were writing him off for Oklahoma last week. And then Marcus Freeman and, oh, by the way, Mike Elston, who was still on Notre Dame staff, Brendan and I were singing the swan song for Mike Elston last podcast. That may not be the case either. Sounds like that might, might, yeah. Yeah, so, which is fantastic. I mean, we were, like, lamenting about the loss of Beth and her cookies. And that might have been all for not. Uh, But, you know, he was instrumental in getting Tyson Ford. This is a huge fucking deal. Uh, getting this kid to commit, and it's going to be a huge deal holding on to him until yes. December, that signing day. I mean, this, the other teams ain't going away. Uh, he's down in SEC land, but, you know, that plus the fact he's a St. Louis kid, Notre Dame's really doing well in the St. Louis area right now. Uh, it's not a huge amount, not huge numbers, but you go and look, at they're doing doing well with some some, some big-time players. That's, that's, that's really big for them. If they're if things are slacking off in other areas like a Florida and you're going elsewhere, Georgia, uh, look, no, I don't think Notre Dame signed anybody from Texas last cycle. Um, you know, these big, these big cities with good f- high school football, like St. Louis, this is the same high school that Ezekiel Elliott, uh, is from. This is good. This is a good program. Getting him is a huge fucking deal. I am just shocked at how many people are just blowing this off. Like it's, do, do you know why people are dumb? Because he is the <laughs> highest, the, he is the highest ranked defensive lineman that Notre Dame has signed since the 2011 class. They haven't signed a kid in the top 100 at defensive line since 2011. And Notre Dame needs a game changing pass rusher or pass somebody rush. game changing on the line. Cause they've had linebackers, they've had secondary and they've had some really nice players. They've had like, a Jerry Taylor. He's a really nice player. He's an end of the first round guy. We need a guy on the defensive line who is a beginning of the first round, like a guy who's a top 10 pick. And we need somebody who we need, we need more, you know, people on that Aaron Lynch, Stefan to tier. Right. Just because, just because wide receivers are the new defensive line, does not mean that the defensive line is not important. (laughs) No, look at what Barrymore did to the Notre Dame offensive line. Uh, Yeah. Look what he did to Ohio state, Ohio state's offensive line. Yeah. My God. Having a guy. And he, he's leaving early. He's going to go make him some NFL money. Yep. Uh, Yeah. It's a huge get. It's a huge get uh, for Notre Dame. They have, this has been something that they've, has eluded them. And a lot of it, part of the reason we were lamenting the loss of Alston is because his ability to develop guys like, you know, three stars and low end four stars. And let's see what we can do with a high end four star. Yeah. I mean, this guy's rated higher than Isaiah Foskey was. Yeah. And remember how happy we were. I mean, I, there there was plenty of people that were excited about this, but I was just shocked by, the response by a vocal minority about big deal. I mean, basically like I, I, it doesn't, is that does not compute. The limit does not exist. It's fucking insane to think that way. I don't get it. <sighs> All right. Well guys, I think we did the thing. So let's, let, let's get our last, let's get our last thoughts in out there. Jude, what, what do you got going for us? 
Well, I want to say a special congratulations to uh, my co-host Brendan here on a excellent bowl season. I think he went five and one in his picks. Uh, unfortunately for Brendan and for Josh, that was not good enough to beat me this year. So I will uh, claim my rightful throne as the the winner against the spread with the record, if I've done it correctly, of thirty one and twenty six. You all losers tied oh, at twenty and thirty two on the year. Oh, uh, boy. Oh, congratulations, losers. I did tally. I did tally the counts and it's hilarious. By the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. What, give the count. Th- this is, uh, this is all from our, uh, our, 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 uh, kind of prop bets that we went through in the beginning of the podcast. Josh had nine, nine, correct. Jude had nine, correct. And I had nine, correct. <laughs> Wow. That's a Hail Mary, bitches. That's a Hail Mary. I will take it. I will take it. <laughs> Mistakes, I made uh, two dozen, <laughs> but I will take the win. So, oh, my congratulations. Goodness. We're all equally terrible at predicting the future. Congratulations. Or equally good. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, not, that's. I think that's respectable for a. When do we do that? In the beginning of August? I mean, that. that 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 feels kind of respectable for, I mean, all, we got, for all the stuff. Don't know that happened. I mean, when you're when we're saying names like Jafar August, Armstrong and August Jordan 27th. and Marquise. Yeah, <laughs> August twenty seventh is uh, uh, the last time. It's when we did the pod. When we did the thing. Yeah, and I mean, and this wasn't a regular season. This is this is a season that got delayed by a week or so. so that's not bad. I'll stay on the positive side of things for sure. <sighs> all right. Well, I hope I hope that uh, this podcast helps all, all of you guys out there that are just jonesing for Notre Dame pods. Um, I'm sorry I couldn't get Brendan and Jude to just agree with me more. This pod, there wasn't a whole lot of arguments here. This, this is, uh, yes. Our, yeah. Yes. Josh, you just took my yes. point. <laughs> I know I did. I know I did. Shut up. Shut up. Would you you know, I'm a little bit of a control freak. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad that you're finally seeing things my way. Uh, so <laughs> God, what a, what a joke. What a fucking joke. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure what – I really don't know what the hell is going on. Like, Notre Dame basketball right now, it's, awesome. this is the most – college basketball is the most confusing thing in the world <laughs> to follow right now. Listen, I, I'm writing an article right now about, about Mike Bray. Uh, I won't give away the the title, but something interesting came across my eyeballs today. Duke, North Carolina, and Kentucky. All three of those teams are ranked about as high as Notre Dame, which means none of them are in the AP are in the top twenty five right now. Yeah, first time since nineteen sixty one that all three of those teams aren't in the AP poll. Is that freaking crazy? Yeah. Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, all three. That that this so. Everything's crazy. Clemson's a favorite in the ACC. They're one of the best teams in the ACC in basketball. What what is going on here? Oh, it's insane. All the COVID cancellations. It's just, it's, it's it, honest to God, it's hard to keep up. Like, you don't even know what the, what's happening. I will say though, uh, college hockey doing a, they're doing things a little bit better than college basketball. Swept the number one I, team in the nation. Yeah, Notre Dame hockey team just swept Minnesota up in Minneapolis. Uh, so Notre Dame has had four games on the road this season, four wins, and all four wins came against top five teams. Uh, 
So go pay attention to Notre Dame hockey, y'all. Um, we're covering it on the site. We got previews. We got reviews. We got caramel corn. We got everything you fucking need. We got tasty cakes. We got punch and pie. Uh, yeah, we got it, man. But uh, so if you if you if you're lamenting a little bit about what's going on uh, on the hardwood, head over to the ice. Cool off, man. Uh, there, there hasn't been a perfect season for Notre Dame hockey uh, so far, but they look pretty good, and you're beating good teams. Uh, they're setting themselves up to be uh, a three, a Big Ten champion three year, three seasons in a row. I'm not sure how we can say that because of the last year, but we have not. We've only won the Big Ten championship ever since we've been in the Big Ten. Would that be the right wording? That's all they know at this point. Yeah, yeah. They don't know. All they do is win Big Ten championships. Literally, all they do. That's so the anyways. reason why Michigan blackballed them to keep them out of the league in football. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, was, what, what was it? I God, what was that podcast we had? Was the last year, two years ago, was uh, something about oh. Uh, Delaney's Delaney uh, getting Notre Dame for hockey glory or whatever it was. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was funny as shit. All all the times Delaney was trying to get Notre Dame into the Big Ten, he finally gets them in (laughs) hockey, and Notre Dame just like it just completely takes over. So you can thank Jim Delaney for this one, or however that went. (laughs) It's a good time. It's a good time. All right. Well. Keep checking out the site. We will be back next week with another uh, another edition of this. I, which who knows what we talk about then? Uh, I, I'm not sure um, what route we're going to go, but I know Brendan and I are pretty excited that we're about to get into some weird shit. Uh, Jude, are you are you ready Bring for some? Along with the ride. Yeah, I'm. I'm yes. <laughs> yeah. That's. <laughs> <laughs> Like this is this is where you I, eat. I know as you much know, as I know as much as uh, you know certain co-hosts of other podcasts know. So, which is nothing. <laughs> you, know, you can line them guys up. All right, so that's it. So until then, thanks for listening, and as always, go Irish.